0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It is episode fifty-seven of the Red Leaf Retrocast. I'm your host, JD, of this Wrestlecast this evening. Got a stacked, stacked card tonight. There's zero shortage of wrestling. If this pandemic has taught us anything, is well, wrestling companies will find a way to put on shows, and watch them, we shall. My. Wrestling War of 2020 has definitely been an interesting journey. Uh, I have yet to title this episode as I record this. I have no idea what uh, what, what to title this because DDT started a TV show, but there's no name for the TV show because that was the plan. So I'm going to have to think of something either as I'm recording this or right before I put this out as I watch my wonderful, wonderful cat... As soon as I started talking into the microphone, he's going after my PlayStation 2 cord. Sid, come here. You doing? Hey. Come on. I got my nice beverage poured. I'm drinking Fontrap Pilsner this evening for this podcast. Hmm. Love Pilsner beers. This is my favorite kind. On the docket today, I will get into the intro of Masato Tanaka's DDT title run that has uh, happened throughout 2020. I will not be talking about possibly the greatest lucha match in the last 30 years, uh, as I haven't watched it upon recording quite yet. Uh, That will be for the next episode. Very excited to watch that one. After I get into Masato Tanaka, I'll be followed with my mom and I talking a lot of AEW Dynamite. At least 90 minutes is to be expected as we cover not just three Dynamite episodes, but also a Dark episode of sorts. Uh, so that, that is a lot as we get go to the. We're on the road to double or nothing. Ice Ribbon still running dojo shows. And they ran three others themselves as they keep building up to the uh, IW Juku tournament. Uh, And then, of course, the two DDT shows that have released, along with, stay tuned, a Dragon Gate King of Gate tournament prediction. Yes, King of Gate is going to happen. It will happen uh, basically the weekend right after this episode comes out. Definitely listen to my predictions there. Uh, I even have a listener of this podcast that threw in his predictions, so I'll even say his winners there. And then fucking finish out this podcast with the Retro Wrestling Reviews. I believe I covered an hour of that going through All Japan Women Classics. Got two episodes there, 18 and 20, since I accidentally skipped one. It's a double episode today of that. Uh, we're finishing out 1992 New Japan uh, with the matches from their archives on New Japan World. And we're two weeks out from World War Three, as we go, go through November 9th, 1998. WCW Nitro. What an episode that was. So enjoy and let's get this thing started but first more beer because I got to. Mm. Hope this sounds okay to you, you audience on the audio end. So yes recommended matches from outside promotions. I do like to do this after I run down uh, the card uh, for the episode today. So yes DDT has quite the quite the service going on. Haven't watched that Noah match yet of uh, Katsuyuki Nakajima uh, for the GHC National Title um, against uh, Sugiura. That's supposed to be. I've heard good things. So I did watch Masato Tanaka's KOD title matches from DDT. Since so many people are saying he's the wrestler of the year so far, so kind of like my Daichi Hachi, Hashimoto. Um, Okabayashi uh talk in the woodworks or on the Twitter and in the 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 uh the inner circle of Twitter that I tend to be a part of uh got me into watching big Japan a little bit well same thing happened here with DDt uh, one match from sweet dreams january twenty sixth Tanaka versus Hiroshima went twenty eighteen um, just some basic thoughts here more ground game slow work. Uh, There was a crazy apron spot spot running clothesline from Tanaka. That kind of got a good pop out of me. Uh, Good knee knee limb work uh, after uh, chair wrapping Hiroshima's leg. You know me, guys. I like some limb work. It's later ignored completely by Hiroshima. Ooh, and if you know me, no bueno. That really gets me aggravated for a a match to follow. Uh, They tease a table spot on the top rope. In an apron spot with uh, a real cool Tornado DDT reversal, Hiroshima does a top rope splash uh, through the table and then proceeds to build up to Tanaka's comeback. And as we now know, Tanaka does win this match via the big sliding D. From Into the Fight, February 23rd versus Mao, 21 minutes, 49 seconds. More fast-paced this match starts out, so not a lot of feeling, period. Uh, high kick spots from Mao. Mao tries to go toe-to-toe with Tanaka's tiff, stiff shots. This does become a story uh, in later matches of Tanaka's. Uh, some goofy, almost rough bumps here, and then the ref does go, does go up and uh, does go down in the end. And that's when things get hardcore because it's Masato Tanaka. Uh, Lego-filled plastic tubs are brought in. A table spot is teased here around the exact same timestamp as the other match i just spoke of this time though tanaka wins the apron battle with the death valley driver and then he splashes the table from the top so he's still doing it boys there was a springboard plastic tub crack from mao before the uh the apron spot which was real cool uh so putting that ddt spice and flavor into this match made it a lot of fun and of course naka wins with the sliding d uh, side note, if you do put these mat- two matches side by side, the format is almost exactly the same down to the minute. Uh, the finish uh, to both title matches included the back and forth of Tanaka's opponent dodging and countering his forearms just to be met with the big sliding elbow to lose. It's a perfected formula to say the least at this point. It's almost like this Tanaka guy has been wrestling a while. And then finally from Judgment, March 20th, Kanosuke Takashita, the ever-send- the ever-, sendi- the ever ending battle of supremacy in DDT with uh, te- uh Endo. <laughs> well, he's got his chance here. 22 minutes 56 seconds. So now that you know the formula as we just went through two matches, can you guess how Tanaka went in this one? Well, actually the first couple minutes was Takeshida's uh, high angle moves on Tanaka, but it quickly was reversed. He gets his chair, he gets his leg uh, chair wrapped just like Hiroshima Uh, Tanaka's apron spot this time is a sliding elbow to the knee in the ropes. Then he does his table splash. So, ah, he's attacking Takashita's knee. So sticking to the formula here, but a much quicker pace, which is funny because this match went a minute and two minutes longer than the other ones. Uh, So, yes. uh, Yuki Ino gets on the apron... When Tanaka brings a chair in, Eno gets hit by Takashida, then so does the ref, so much like the Mao match, uh, Then a no-sell chair shot by Takashita into a pop-up powerbomb. Uh, very goofy hardcore DDT stuff here, no doubt, but I'm definitely entertained. The springboard coast-to-coast chair shot was real cool. Um, what was ridiculous was the 10-move trade-off of no-selling the suplexes. Certainly isn't my flavor. Uh, the Air Raid crash off the top turnbuckle on Tanaka was absolutely insane. I don't know how they're in the right mind to pull this off. It uh, really m- reminded me of the El Generico brainbuster turnbuckle spot that he did. That he used to do. I thought the finish was really good. Uh, but ultimately, the large amount of power-up no-selling, I think, hurt this match overall from being great. I thought it was just a really good match. Uh, I thought they just overdid it on the no-selling. I got the feeling the crowd left it as well. Uh, The story I took was Takashita wanted to prove he was a badass motherfucker and could hang with badass motherfucking Tanaka and then just couldn't. So Tanaka beat the shit out of him. And as I was to find out, as I go to the DDT TV show, that turned out to be quite the continuing story. So yes, uh three good matches at minimum they were good. I think uh if you go in this as a uh, if you go into these three matches as a new fan, uh at worst you'll find the hardcore stuff a bit goofy uh and taking the ref. Uh, but overall very pretty good matches. I, I quite enjoyed it. Masato Tanaka 47 looks like he's been 100 for 20 years, uh still pulling out all the flavors and all his his 47 flavors, his Baskin-Robbins moves, if you will. And just right quick, little, uh, little bonus here is I do have some loose money in the bank thoughts. So if you stuck around, uh, then this is a treat. So here we go. All right, yeah, that was Becky Lynch's music. She announced she's pregnant. And uh, that played into the story. She's going to be gone for a while, so there's a congratulations to be had there. Um, so, yes, I did watch Money in the Bank. I watched a WWE Network special. It is my first WWE show I've watched in its entirety in 2020. Uh, I I have to admit that Rat Race... Uh, c- climb the corporate ladder match that they, they that they did for Money in the Bank. My curiosity got the best of me. I'm almost ashamed in many ways, but hey, that is, uh, that is at least some praise for WWE in that part. I watched this entire show, and my overall thought was, at best, I was really bored the entire time. WWE's empty arena formula of the no fans or nothing in the crowd. It's just a cavern, and echo, and emptiness in the PC Center. The performance center center. Uh, the the Fatal 4-Way tag match. It's everything you would expect. These tag teams mean nothing. The titles mean nothing. Everyone gets their one spot. It's a Fatal 4-Way. There's no DQs, but the uh, Forgotten Sons member gets... Booted out by the ref. Like what happens if he doesn't leave? Are they gonna get DQ'd with that it's WWE? I wouldn't wouldn't be shocked. They'd pull out a WCW move there. Uh R-Truth and MVP were gonna have a match for no goddamn reason, just no clue. And then Lashley comes out and just says take a hike, and he kills him in twenty seconds. Waste of time. Uh Tamina I went into the Tamina Bailey match expecting a minus two star match to my utter utter disappointment. They didn't have a memorable train wreck. Instead, they just had a dud. Tamina uh, is, I think, worse than a broom wrestling in the ring. She can hardly even stand there and do anything right. So, Bailey did win that match. Uh, Bailey's heel turn is still horrendous. Uh, to think, a year ago, she got that huge pop at Money in the Bank that I was at. And they turned her heel inside a month. Just baffling, baffling stuff. Uh what a what a what a roller coaster of your mix. Braun Strowman, Bray Wyatt had a clusterfuck garbage match. I hate Bray Wyatt matches. Uh the most interesting character WWE could possibly create and Bray Wyatt's super charismatic. Just a horrid fuckery of a match. I hate Bray Wyatt matches. Hate them. I have I am now making a declaration as long as the Fiend character exists, I will no longer watch a Bray Wyatt match. He just finds... I know it's booking that has a lot to do with it, but regardless, this is the guy I'm watching wrestle, and this guy watching I'm watching russell finds innovative and ridiculous ways to have these interesting characters suck ass. So... Yeah, Braun Strowman just gets kicked off an apron, then he wears a a sheep mask because, you know, five years ago or whatever it was, he did that once. And then they hug and he steps on the mask and power slams him and wins. It was garbage. Utter, utter shit. So yeah, just like Roman and Brock Lesnar matches, I will not watch a match of theirs ever again. Uh... I have yet to be entertained, and why start? Um... Is that all of them? I think that's all of them. Yeah, so Money money in the Bank match at the corporate headquarters. Uh, There was cameos for no fucking reason other than to make Vince McMahon's uh, pants wet. Uh, Brother Love showed up at one point. I always forget his name. He just, you know, coming out of a bathroom because bathroom jokes. Uh, All the men start in the weight room, which was apparently on the third floor, as I found out like a day later. So they didn't even start on the ground floor. Uh while the women lined up in the lobby in front of an elevator. Uh so they all looked absolutely ridiculous. This was imme- this immediately came across as stupid rather than funny. Uh and being that I've been watching DDT matches, uh I got my I got my funny bone tickled a lot. This was the most cr- it was a creative idea. With no creative bone made in their entire body, this this was the least creative they could probably possibly be. Where it's it's almost like two guys went into a conference room and goes, "All right, we have twenty bucks. What can we do? All right, we can throw someone through one table at the top for no reason. Uh, we can have Dana Brooke look like an, a complete idiot during the in- entire time, whether she's in a uh, rent." Uh, Random conference room thinks the Money in the Bank briefcase is in this conference room despite every single thing on the planet and every person on the planet knowing it's on the roof. Uh, And then Stephanie McMahon has to come in and berate her uh, because it's McMahon and they must make the roster look stupid at all times. Uh, And then she slips and falls on a wet floor despite every other person running over this wet floor before her. Um... AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan kind of brawled into Vince's office, and of course Vince has to make the ROH and TNA legend look stupid and embarrassed. Uh, so there was that. And Paul Heyman was randomly having a banquet before the, 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 the roof. Uh, and of course a food fight, because it's Vince. I mean, everything I'm saying here, uh, there was a person dressed in a clown suit. I... I understand it was probably supposed to be Doink the Clown, but it wasn't him. <laughs> it was just some dude with a clown getup on. Uh, yeah, uh, just super uncreative. I didn't know where anyone was at any given time. For all the best way I described this to myself was if they had the Ble- Benny Hill music on. Uh, for all I know, they had. Two shots on two floors where it showed one time going upstairs uh, and then going in, in and out of random rooms. Because I had no idea what floor that they were on at any given time, how close any two people were, closer than the other. Uh, just could not get invested. The the comedy was not there. Um, no commentary during this match at all. And Asuka got in an elevator and yet it took her the entire match to get to the roof. So I don't know what elevator she's in, but look, I used to I used to have to go to work in Toronto, uh, where the elevator I the office what, the main office area was fifty four floors up, and that elevator only took a few minutes. <laughs> so, uh, that's it. And it you know Oscar does win, and because Becky Lynch is pregnant, she wins the vacant title. She cashed in on vacant, and. So that's, you know, I right person, but I expect her to lose the title within a month to either uh, Charlotte or uh, Baszler. Just like that, because it's WWE, I have no faith. And then Otis won the men's, uh, with Aleister Black and Rey Mysterio getting thrown off the roof with every promo and every indication that, yes, someone will be thrown off the roof, Uh They came on Raw the very next day, just not a bruise or scratch on their body. They just feel great, totally downplaying, getting thrown off a roof. Rey Mysterio even says, ah, miraculously, I landed on a second roof, uh, despite camera shots uh, during the match showing a crash pad uh, over and over again, and that's where they landed. But still, even in kayfabe turns, they said they fell six, seven feet, and yeah, they're totally fine. You know, whatever. And then uh, as AJ Styles and Baron Corbin fight for the briefcase, they drop it and it lands in Otis's arms. So it was a joke to the end. I can't take it serious. They don't want to make money. Uh, I've totally given up on the Money in the Bank as something credible and the match being credible. Uh, yeah, I have nothing really good to say about Money in the Bank. Um, I hope this is the only show I check out from WWE in the year. 2020. Uh, Very disappointed. And it had nothing to do with Empty Arena. It was just uh, everything I would expect from WWE, but now worse because of the Empty Arena. All right. So, let me make my timestamp here. That was a nice little 20-minute intro. uh, 10 minutes of each. And uh, we'll transfer to my mom and I. Uh, with uh, an estimated 90 minutes uh, expectation of talking about AEW here as we continue on the road to Double or Nothing. Hope you guys enjoy. In, here we go, Mother. We're back for another AEW Dynamite review. Ooh. Jeez, really topping out the mic there, <laughs> starting hard. Yeah, we got we got a lot to talk about uh, from AEW for this podcast episode. We are recording uh, two dynamites right here, uh, and then we're gonna watch the epic Super Dark uh, right after recording. So that gives you an idea of when we're recording this, and then uh, that gets us ready for tomorrow's Dynamite, which we will record later as well.
1: Yay! How about that? We got a
0: lot, I'm lot ready. to yeah. So, how did you enjoy these two AEW Dynamite shows?
2: I've enjoyed them immensely. Still, still liking. Uh, I'm, I'm liking how they're doing it. Uh, I thought this episode was a lot better than the last one. Um,
0: Talking about May 6th compared to the 29th? Um Or just this set compared to the last set?
2: This set compared to the last set. Okay. I think that yeah, the, the one before the 29th, that was the one that I said that everyone was really tired, that energy was gone. Right. You know, and um, it seemed to be uh, better. Um... On the 29th, it's se- you know, that energy was back. Um, but by far, the um, last week was way even more better.
0: So, <laughs> way even more better.
2: <laughs> way even more better.
0: <laughs> well, let's get going here. Let's let's not waste any time. April 29th, AEW Dynamite episode number 30. If we're keeping track on the numbers here, uh, the last episode from the Nightmare Factory in Georgia, QT Marshall's uh, little training place. Right, it was Uh, the
2: last time that they were going to do that.
0: Yeah, kind of their big uh, culmination of all their taped shows that they were doing uh, during this uh, COVID pandemic period. And I really enjoyed the show. This was was a lot of fun. It was, um, you're going to find out who's in the finals of the TNT title tournament. Uh, we got a little a little tiny mid-story uh, between The Best Friends and uh, Havoc and Sabian that uh, that culminated on the show, and then some squash matches in between uh, to set some things up. But also uh, some really good, uh, I guess, promo segments, which you could call as well. So I, I quite enjoyed this episode a lot. It was very, it was kind of MLW-esque in its format, which mm-hmm. I don't mind. I think it's a working formula. <laughs>
2: Yeah. I, 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 you know, I hope they continue with the bubbly bunch, <laughs> but I'm sure they won't do that. But I think they, I think they um, did, did a good job with that. <laughs> the bubbly bunch.
0: The creativity in trying fun. to um, break up For the monotony and, yeah, and change absolutely. up the formula is very nice. I quite like that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I quite like that too. And I think that uh, they've given uh, free reign to um, think, of, you know, others thinking of things too. And I think that's why I, I liked this segment a little more than the week mm-hmm. prior. Um, giving giving uh, creativity uh, to, the, uh, to others was good.
0: I agree. So first match right away after we get a uh, kind of a Darby Mm -hmm. Allin video package and Cody video package. Basically, uh, Cody uh, recognizes this title as the most important thing to him, uh, mostly because he can't win the AEW title anymore. Mm -hmm. But regardless, he really, really wants this TNT title. And then Darby Allin not only wants to be the first one, he also wants to beat Cody because he's never done that before. Right. To their little ongoing story there. Uh, so here we go. Cody with Brandy Rhodes ringside. Uh, taking on Darby Allen. Match goes 20 minutes and 11 seconds. Didn't feel like that at all. Because it was filled with action. Filled with a little drama in the middle. And um, the story here was Darby Allen almost beats Cody. Very, very close this time. What did you think of the finish here where... Uh, they both kicked out of uh, the crossroads. Cody's finisher, because it's kind of like Naito's Destino. Everyone gets one. Cody goes for the coffin drop, uh, but Darby gets his knees up. Then he goes for the coffin drop. Darby Allen's finisher. He hits it, and he hooks the leg. But uh, Cody, being the wily veteran, I guess that's kind of what he's—jeez, cat—what uh, he's aiming for here.
2: Kind like a toilet. <laughs>
0: well he yeah he, he gets on the table and then he leaps up onto his little tower oh. yeah um so darby gets uh, I, I, yeah. darby thinks he's he's leaned back and he's pinning cody but cody just ever so so slightly uh tips him and um what i gathered here was darby thinks his shoulders were still on cody not realizing his shoulders were to the mat and darby gets pinned Cody escapes Darby Allen and gets to the finals of the TNT title tournament.
2: I considered a shaft win.
0: A shaft win, a, a fraud, a fraud yes. win.
2: Yes. A fluke. D- Darby had it, and I think he got shafted out of that win.
0: Oh, I so. mean, he kind Cody of only has himself to blame. He didn't. Uh... I,
2: I know, but still, uh, I think, I think if it were. Any other wrestler, Uh um, I don't think uh, that count would have gone so fast.
0: Oh, you think it was a fast count, do you?
2: (laughs) Uh, I do. It's a fast count, a shaft count.
0: Well, I rewatched this match, actually, and um, on impact, you can actually see Cody uh, cross his arms at the last second, and he uses his crossed arms, and that's what allows him to tip Darby over. Mm. yeah so i I thought that Mm -hmm. was an interesting little touch uh Mm -hmm. i i i do enjoy criticizing cody rhodes a lot especially with Mm -hmm. his his character i'm not all for it but he does a lot of these little things in his wrestling matches that i absolutely love it's very very old school mentality Mm -hmm. and uh damn it i wish i liked him more (laughs) because of these things
2: Now, can't like the loser. I don't care what you say. Yeah. <laughs> I just I can't. And I just think that, I think um, Darby uh, honestly should have won this match regardless of, you know, whatever you re-watching and, and saying, you know, that. Um, I just think that it was a fast count. I don't think that it was a, a fair <laughs> match in the end. And I think that... Cody, being the loser wha baby that he is, uh, shouldn't have shouldn't have won this match. It was Darby's all the way.
0: Oh, uh, well, my
2: buddy was what, my buddy. You know Mr. what they're building Mr. Up, Mr. up here, Mr. Relentless. He, oh, and yeah. he has a tattoo on his bottom lip. God, that had to hurt. Oh, for sure. He's been been uh, doing a lot more tats on himself too.
0: Uh he's painting himself Since up a lot more. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, two things I have to mention. I just hope he doesn't make sure. his.
2: I hope he doesn't tat his one side of the face white. Uh, you no, know, I like, think
0: he'll stick with the paint.
2: Like, like Cody doing with that uh, thing no. on his neck. No, no, no. I hope Darby doesn't go cuckoo like so, Cody.
0: I really, I was really torn if uh, they were going to pull the trigger on Darby now, but what they're going for here, which. I really can't wait because what this builds up is a very epic moment of Darby Allen finally beating Cody Rhodes. And that's what's going to elevate him to the top of the top Mm -hmm. of the top of the mountain. So that's going to be monumental. And this loss only elevates that further. And hopefully this this takes place in front of fans because they are going to explode in this moment. Yeah. So I'm very much looking forward to that. That okay. day he finally beats him. Okay. And I'll, I hope... I'll go with that. I And and uh, my prediction is, Cody's going to go on to win this TNT title, and he's going to hold on to this fucking thing, and Darby's going to be the one to beat him for it. Yeah. That's... that's oh,
2: so you think Cody's going to beat Archer?
0: Yes, and we. I will go further into that in a okay. second here, huh. uh, later in this card. The second thing... I have to do I have to say is Brandy Rhodes is hysterical to me now because she always has a role to play in which she either gets hit <laughs> nailed uh inserted in some way and I am dubbing this now the Brandy spot as I play this music <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's kind of a okay. clip
0: of her in, uh, intro music that she has. Okay, it, it says okay. her name like four times or something. It's funny. Oh, okay, so yeah, she gets uh, <laughs> she does get nailed. She does get nailed in this match by Darby Allen, in which Cody like clearly knows she's there. And upon You're impact, right. Chris Jericho just goes, "Ah, he knew she was there. He is uh, a horrible human being." I was dying because Chris Jericho's still on commentary. <laughs> and speaking of great heels, uh, we cut to MJF. And he's he's doing another promo, mom. Because as we as we remember, we last left off, and he suffered a devastating hangnail injury, life threatening. Right. He says right. He uh-huh. a, his arm was in a sling, his finger was in a cast. It was very devastating. It's it's it it explains why he hasn't been on Dynamite these past few weeks. Sure. Now <laughs> he informs us that his hangnail is now healed. Overhealed, in fact. The most healed.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Monumental. So monumental, scientists don't know why.
0: Yeah, uh, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Uh, So he was getting TV ready, you know, just for us. For you and me, Mother. You and I. Yes, right. But, unfortunately, he cut his neck shaving. Oh, I can't tell you how much I've been there, too. It is horrible. All that blood everywhere. Uh, MJF takes off the scarf, reveals a a huge neck brace. We can only assume that many layers of bandages are holding his neck to his shoulders as we speak. <laughs> now, the, uh-huh. l- luckily, we know that when you cut your cut your neck shaving, uh, it does heal pr- uh, pretty fast. Maybe a month. Well, it's a good thing he didn't go for the juggler. Well, I mean, we I'm don't sure know. We don't know where he
2: would have helped him.
0: Look, mom, we don't know where he <laughs> cut himself. That's that's really none of our business. Uh, all we know is that his head is still on his shoulders, and uh-huh. being that it usually takes, you know, a, a normal person, this would take like a month uh, to heal. But I'm sure with MJF's overhealing abilities, he will he will be back sooner rather than later. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, Wardlow a
2: Nick ne- neck re- requires a month <laughs> yeah. of healing, but for him, he's a super dude. Super. super dude. Super uh, healer,
0: <laughs> super dude, MJF. Uh, <laughs> Wardlow's Wardlow kills Musa. Two minutes twenty two seconds. No uh,
2: surprise.
0: Yeah, we get our bubbly bunch part two with the Manitoba melee as Chris Jericho is in full concert gear. <laughs> right. Yeah, he's got his, his, his uh, neckerchief on. He's got he's got his uh, leather pants. Everything right. The whole right. shebang.
2: And, he, and he's on the on the on the wheel, the yeah, hamster wheel. Yeah,
0: you, you, <laughs> you got to get on the exercise bike in your in your right. rock star best.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah, looking good. <laughs>
0: yeah. So they still can't agree who won the flim flam from the previous previous week. Basically, Sammy mm-hmm. Guevara uh, is very mm-hmm. proud of his hand sanitizer he won, and uh, Chris Jericho proposes the only way to settle this is a Manitoba melee, in which it's the. Um, kind of it's this new phone challenge thing uh Uh, you know the get dressed fast challenge or or uh i forget what the the term was that everyone basically you 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 knock into your you make the motion of knocking into your phone or passing it along and then uh the person that it's passed to will fake getting the the message or fake getting hit kind of deal and the ba-
2: I call it the bashing.
0: Yeah, the ba- <laughs> the bashing of the phone, and it and it yeah. goes through. So uh, this was great. It goes through a number of wrestlers and uh, some celebrities and make some cameos
2: and right? old wrestlers.
0: Yeah, Virgil yeah. makes his appearance, Mom. If you remember him,
2: from right, the and, Million Dollar Man uh, and Hulk. The the um the Hulk.
0: The Hulk from the seventies. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Uh, Lou Ferrigno with a taser yeah. of all things, like the Mountie. <laughs> that was great yeah i love this it was amazing
2: it was i, I laughed so hard yeah it was good
0: yeah and then jericho just goes is that lou Ferrigno with a taser at the end it was great yeah right <laughs> we move on no dq match no count out tag team match best friends with orange no cassidy rules. no rules love they go on that
2: match loved it it was but a I'm of? a Havoc fan, though. You know, he's he's totally disgusting, but I like
0: him. <laughs> yeah, you and were a fan of him in MLW. You crit- I was. You, Yeah, yeah.
2: He was gross, but I liked him. He was a character.
0: This is right up his alley. Um, I'm oh, sure totally. Jimmy Havoc kind of glued everything together here. Him and him and yeah, Sabian and make a good team. Jericho even
2: likes him. Jericho likes him too.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. as we know, Orange Cassidy dresses in denim and. Jericho does not like that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, and and kind of an odd uh, um, group to be together, but with say you know with Kip Sabian, it just kind of like uh, oil and water there. But I guess it works out. Well, you know?
0: well, mother, uh, it's funny you mention that they are actually both British.
2: Yes, I got I and know they are, that part. and they
0: are friends. They are actual oh. friends and they live oh, together. Oh okay. <laughs> yeah.
2: Even better. I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, when uh dad and I went to the stardom show, uh also uh-huh. uh with uh JPQ from the No Particular Angle podcast, um when I was in line getting uh some alcoholic beverages, Jimmy Havoc and Kip Savian were hanging out behind me and I was talking to them. So
2: Really? Yeah. And you didn't get the autograph. Well, no. Huh.
0: I did buy I did it. buy th- I did buy them both a beer though.
2: What? Yeah. Whoa, big spender. Wow.
0: <laughs> so and
2: they and they appreciate it. Thank you, mate.
0: Yeah. Oh, it was funny. I went, oh my god, it's Jimmy fucking Havoc and Kip. <laughs> and Havoc <laughs> laughed at that. He was funny. And Kip's like, yeah, of course. At least he recognized me. <laughs> <laughs> So. That's
2: funny.
0: Okay. I can't tell you how much I loved this Britt Baker segment in her dentist office. Uh-huh. It was fan-fucking-tastic. Chicken. Uh, No, not chicken. Um, Like, overconfident, I'm better than you, Britt Baker. But that smug, like, mean girl from high school
2: mm-hmm. attitude
0: is mm-hmm. the best. She comes across as such a believable, uh, pompous person. Know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, Britt Baker's no, I, like, look I, at yeah. me. I'm a dentist. Look how great I am. Uh, right. She's got and pictures of herself everywhere. I think
2: everywhere. it works way better for her.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: You know, I think it's a perfect, uh, perfect role for her. It fits it- her.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely great. Now she's got her own personal uh, makeup artist, which is uh, she keeps calling her Reba, but it's um, it's rebel. (laughs) So she's calling her. I think she's calling her by a wrong name all the time and uh, even says Reba. And it it did say Reba in the um, tagline when she was introduced. So she's doing like an interview, right? and she's like not all about it she's supposed to say like Britt Baker is really giving me a good opportunity here but she has no inflection in her voice and then you and then you see in the background Britt Baker peeks her head around the corner like Uh uh-huh she's not saying that right so she calls her into office and it's great it does that it does that whole she's behind the door the camera (laughs) is on them you can hear them but they're they're muffled a bit and it's Come on, you got to do it like we talked about. Oh, this is a great opportunity for you. I'm really allowing you to be under me, properly, <laughs> kind of deal. Do it right, and then and then it cuts back to Reba, and she's going, "I love Britt Baker. She's the best." Total 180 on the tune. Uh-huh. <laughs> she just comes off as totally fake as well. <laughs> the fake smile, oh, yeah. and everything. It was great. <laughs> and then we're back into um, Brits, I guess main dental chair area and she goes okay now rules to be in a role model uh rule one is not everyone can be a role model (laughs) so just get that out of your head uh also no glasses wearers you have to be a you have to be a doctor in order to wear glasses so i guess uh mom engineers aren't allowed either that was not on the list so i can't apparently uh,
2: apparently i'm not either
0: yeah so uh Devastating news for me to hear that from Britt Baker. <laughs> uh, also, uh, no fat. But people, you're an engineer. I, I am an engineer, that. but you're I'm not a engineer. doctor. I'm not a you doctor. Have... I can't wear glasses. Oh, I, j- oh. I have to. I have to wear contacts. It's the only way. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it was no, no, no fat. You can't be fat either. Uh, right. Which it cuts to a picture of Tony Shavani, and his gut is uh, way out. And uh, she goes, "You have to use Photoshop." And it photoshops the, the gut down. Right. It. And then also, no snaggletooths. Cuts to a picture of Tony Schiavone again with a snaggletooth. <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Uh, didn't get to the last one, which was no wannabes. So I guess that's also supposed to be Tony Schiavone. But we didn't get to that part. Uh, then it cut, yeah. So after all this, it cuts back to Tony Schiavone. And uh, Jericho's like, what do you got to say about that, Tony? What about your friend? Goes, I don't have a snaggletooth. And I've lost weight. <laughs> I'm going to have to talk to Brit about this. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. It was Britt Baker has uh geez again, cat. She's had the best promos uh collectively over the years so far, I think. Uh her and Jake the Snake Roberts.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I love I it. agree. Sean Spears defeats Baron Black squash match. I think this is setting up Spears to lose to one of these guys eventually. Uh, in yeah. a shock win, I think that's what they're building towards. Uh, Brody Lee kills Marco Stunt in three minutes and eight <laughs> seconds. <laughs> not as
2: good as the, yeah, not as good as the
0: Lance Archer one, but was enjoyable.
2: Uh, pretty, pretty good. Yeah.
0: John Moxley, your boys in a desert, just hanging out in Las Vegas desert or something. Yep. <laughs> he's he's going on. He's. Uh, He's talking about loading up the truck with uh, Metallica CDs. He's gonna he's gonna be at Dynamite next week. Uh, call your grandmother. It was a it was a goofy Moxley promo. I liked it. It was cool.
2: Same? You can do anything as far as I'm concerned.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of hoping it was gonna cut to him in the the the, the um the fancy car. Oh, right. Yeah, and then he drives off. That would have been that would have been cool. But anyways, uh, and then we got we our main event.
2: We haven't seen him in that car since since he won it. Haven't uh, seen him. No, we since have. He got since. No, we, no, no, we
0: have. We saw him pull pull up with it at a uh, revolution. And he walked in mm-hmm. from the back, and then there was also the one where he uh, drove it into the building like the week after. Oh, Okay. Yeah. So he's sh- he's shown up with it a couple times. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then Lance Archer versus Dustin Rhodes in the main event of Dynamite. A 22-minute and 44-second match. And I think it went through like three commercial breaks, if I remember.
2: Yeah, three or four. It was quite a a few.
0: Which sucks, because we watched this on Fight, Mm
2: -hmm. and
0: uh, because these were all pre-taped, we just kept hearing that Dynamite music over and over again Mm -hmm. uh, instead of seeing the action in between uh, instead. Um, Right. So that was that's a real bummer. I wish I wish we could that, have.
2: That was disappointing.
0: I wish we You're could right have seen about the whole that. thing. Yeah. Uh regardless, yeah. uh I you vastly, shouldn't have
2: it shouldn't have done that.
0: No, we should have kept seeing the action. Yep. Um but anyways, of the match itself, I thought this was incredibly solid. Uh it was something out of the early 2000s is what it reminded me of. Uh yeah, it was a good of,
2: matchup. I agree.
0: Which kind of makes sense because both these guys, uh, well Lance Archer in particular, started in the early 2000s, and mm-hmm. Dustin started in the late 80s. So this this old school style match uh, mm. was very well paced out. It was very s- simplistic. Although Archer did do the Undertaker rope walk, uh, mm-hmm. but instead of doing the little club slam, he does a moonsault on the six foot nine Dustin Rhodes or however tall he is, six foot six. I think mm-hmm. Archer's six nine. Uh but I loved how this ended, because Rhodes gets busted open. He's getting killed in this match by the murder hawk. Yeah. And Cody and Brandy have to come out, along with QT Marshall. I think he was there. Um and Cody's got the towel. Just like at full gear, remember? Yeah. With MJF. And he, yeah. and you know, they tease the towel spot. They're talking to Dustin because he's being murdered. And before they can even have a second to talk to Dustin, Archer drags him back into the middle of the ring, puts the iron claw on his face, slams his head into the mat like a basketball, and pins him. I love it. (laughs) It was awesome. They have built up Lance Archer to be this killer, and he Mm -hmm. dominated his way to the finals. Cody barely got in. Uh that's why I think Cody's gonna win this because they built up a super Mm credible opponent Mm -hmm. Um, and that will immediately make the title just as important Mm -hmm. and uh, I love the final I mean, ever since Jake the Snake Roberts showed up, Cody was the target and now they're meeting at Double or Nothing and the TNT title I say, Mother, has to main event that show Mm -hmm. it has to main event the pay-per-view
2: yeah, I agree yeah. for sure.
0: Yeah. Do you think Cody's going to win or lose?
2: Ah, uh, because Cody's such a loser. I think Archer's going to win. All that's right. my that's my take on that one. Right. I'm taking. And, I'm
0: taking the roads, brother.
2: <laughs> all right, you go for the roads, brother. But uh, now now that uh, Dustin has the cut on his forehead, now they got matching forehead cuts, both on the right side, above the eye.
0: <laughs> well, Dustin's see, had, a, so, had a few cuts. It, so we
2: have, we have Dustin with the cut. We have Jericho with the cut. We have Moxley with the cut. We have Cody with the cut. Was there one more? There's four. Uh... I think Four that's it. with the cuts. Yeah. So, they'll be brothers. I'll be brothers. Brothers with wounds on their forehead, permanent scars.
0: Yeah. May sixth, AEW but Dynamite.
2: Of all of all my matches for that that uh, segment, uh-huh. my favorite was um, Havoc Sabian. With Chucky T and Trent, <laughs> Good. that was my f- yeah. That was my favorite. It got it got uh, three stars because it was no rules.
0: Three stars? I can I can be down with that. Yeah, I, I felt mm-hmm. like uh, all three of those matches were about three three and a half stars. Mm-hmm. I, I would agree. I would agree. Mm-hmm. May sixth, AEW Dynamite episode thirty one. We're back at Daly's place in Florida. There's pyro going off for every single person that came out well, was that wasn't a job
2: back. it was yeah? the first live back
0: it was the it was the you first know? live show in a while yeah. jacksonville uh, or florida in general opened back up wrestling's an essential business thank you wwe i guess in that right. sense uh this to felt a like a, to
2: a point
0: they made this show feel important Uh, they, Tony Khan came out and said, like, everybody was tested. Jim Ross is back on commentary. You can tell these guys were just dying to get back to work, right? Oh, God, yeah. And there's a lot of people like that. Um, you know, if, if you could pay me to stay home safely, I'd do it, but I have bills to pay at the end of the day, and so so does everybody else, right? Um, A lot of
2: people are making more money not oh, working than well, they well, were working
0: yeah there are a lot of people like that uh-huh. so we start out this dynamite with cody versus joey Janela. dad really likes joey Janela. he's here he hears someone's from new jersey and he's he's way behind him already right <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, dad did watch this show he absolutely enjoyed uh joey Janela, and he really enjoyed the john moxley match this time around Unfortunately, he fell asleep because he's old before the main event, so I got mad at him.
2: (laughs) No. (laughs) Oh, that's funny, J.D. (laughs) He's old. (laughs) He is old. He's not that old. Oh, my God. He's in his 70s. That's old, mother. Oh, my God. That is not old. It is, too. Uh I'll wait till you get that old then.
0: The, yeah, and I will be old. <laughs> he
2: will not it's not old.
0: He's seven years over the retirement age.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's still working. Still fishing. Yeah, yeah. He's you know?
0: going, yeah, he's going fishing. So Cody yeah. Janella, I thought it was enjoyable. Uh messed up a little bit in, in between here. You can tell Joey Janela hasn't wrestled in like a month. Uh so very noticeable. Cody gets the win here. Good match or bad match mom? Fair match. Fair match, fair enough.
2: Fair match. Good to see Janella back. Yeah.
0: He yeah. uh, yeah, he had his leopard leopard print and streamer things hanging from his yeah. panties. He's Joey Janella, isn't he? <laughs> oh
2: yeah. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, this had a this formula of yeah. fringe. <laughs> yeah, this formula of starting out dynamite with a hot match um whether it's one, it's it's almost like they'll start it out with one of kind of the least importance, but yet they still give you a a a match that gets enough time, 13, 15 minutes, right?
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: Or they'll start out super hot, like with the Guevara-Darby Allen match from a few weeks ago that left us baffled why that wasn't the main event. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm okay with this, it reminds me of the old uh, Nitro technique of kind of wanting to start hot, but they never did because they had always put in boring wrestlers, but they thought it was the right decision.
2: <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah.
0: Uh, we get a Nyla Rose video package and the landscape of the women's division. So it seems to me that with the return of the women's champion, that they're, they're wanting to do a bit of a reset on the women's division. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was a really good video package. Uh, what will, you know, it's, it's, uh, they don't have an, a lot of time, uh, to build up. And they, they did say that they didn't want any woman who couldn't show up or any man, uh, also to, uh, if they don't show up due to, uh, the coronavirus, that they won't lose their spot and everything. But they're kind of, they're still kind of treating the ones that did show up as a thank you. Yeah. Uh, with giving them a match for next week, uh, with a fatal four-way, so that would be Sheeta, Britt Baker, uh, Statlander, who whom we haven't seen actually, but um, so she, they made sure she didn't lose her spot, and Penelope Ford. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool. They're, they're doing a four-way, and uh, this is Nyla Rose. Uh, Tony Shivani interviews her, says the video was uh, was cute, but she's the real dominant force. Uh, now you go do your job, Tony, and I'll do mine. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she
0: kills. And I use this amazingly kills Kenzie Page. 18-year-old Kenzie Page.
2: Wasn't even a match. It was just a it was just a beast throwdown. It was a I slaughter.
0: Yeah. She power bombed the shit out of Kenzie Page. Yeah. She Poor girl. <laughs> Kenzie had to turn the page on her life for a second. It was it was amazing. <laughs> uh Beast Bomb gets the pin. Uh all the women do their uh do dirty looks at Nyla Rose. But of course Britt Baker does a a face she can only do. It's like half eye closed, the other's rolling. <laughs> it was great. Uh John Moxley defeats Frankie Kazarian in 16 and a half minutes. adored this match. It
2: was a long ass match.
0: I adored this. It was so solid. It
2: mm-hmm, it was like mm-hmm.
0: Kazarian from 15 years ago in TNA. I loved it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's, uh, this was way better, I think. It wasn't as stiff and wrestling focused or MMA focused, mind you, as the, um, Hager match, but I did Mm -hmm. enjoy this one much more. Mm hmm. Come here, kitty cat. Why you gotta, why you gotta be like that? (laughs) What'd you think of this overall?
2: Notice my, notice my cats aren't bothering me because I always open my one door so that they go somewhere else. (laughs) <laughs> yeah Yeah. they don't wow. bother me uh,
0: so did you what did you think of Frankie Kazarian in a singles match here
2: Um. when did I see him before
0: well you've seen him with SEU in the uh, tag title tournament with Scorpio
2: Scott uh, uh, well I've slept since then
0: oh okay
2: <laughs> but it had been a while since I'd seen him.
0: That's yes. why I yeah, I don't
2: I don't remember him. Well, he's got uh, hair now too. <laughs> oh, is that my my uh other reason why
0: I don't recognize <laughs> it's him. It's possible. I mean, he does look a bit different.
2: <laughs> yeah, okay. But I I just thought it was a, a really long match. I'm not sure that it needed to be that long. Um I did like it, but I just thought it was a long ass match.
0: Yeah, maybe shave a minute off it, but
2: minute uh
0: Yeah, that would make it fifteen. Good. So I'm very curious of your of your opinion on this. What 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 happened after the match was the Dark Order hits the ring and beats the shit out of John Moxley, including uh, Preston Vance or Dark Order minion ten. The big the the big jacked. Oh, we know
2: who number ten is.
0: It's Preston Vance, yeah, he's... Um,
2: Preston Vance.
0: He's from uh, QT Marshall's school, but he's joined the Dark Order. He's that football guy that we saw in the oh, promo.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: You know, it's, uh, I'm a disheveled ex-football player, and I'm joining the Dark Order. <laughs> yeah. Huh. So Dark Order beats the hell out of Boxley, and once he's down and out... Dar- Darth Vader Brody comes out cause all his minions did the work for him and then he uh looks at Big Platinum over there cause that's what Moxley calls the title Big Platinum mm-hmm. love it
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh he's like I- you have something I want uh we take kind of deal you know his Dark Order shtick and Moxley mm-hmm. gets the mic he's spitting he's you know he's just been beaten down he just goes dude all you had to do was ask <laughs> like, come on, you didn't have to kill me.
2: <laughs> well, and then they beat him and up some more. Took, yeah, and took his belt.
0: Yeah, Brody it took really the belt. Pissed me off. Oh. What an asshole. Oh. So <laughs> That's what I think of that. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think this was the plan was to have Brody Lee uh the first person to go after Moxley, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I guess technically Hager was, but, um, I, okay. The second person, right? I thought they were going to build, I thought they were going to build to Brody more, but I think with the coronavirus hitting that and, uh, with double or nothing, uh, the highlight of the TNT title, uh, Brody Lee, I think is a, is a, is a good guy to fill, fill in the void and make something important. What do you, what do you think over Brody Lee being going after Moxley here and being the, uh. Uh, I guess uh, number one contender now, de facto uh, well, de facto I, I contender.
2: I just hope he doesn't doesn't take the title away from Moxley. I think it's too soon. I'm I'm and I don't like Brody Lee at all. There's just, I and I've never liked him. There's something about him I just don't like.
0: Well, I mean, you wanted him to make more of an impact and and seem more important and kind of deal, and here you go. Yeah, but he's taking a stand. I'm, he's
2: I don't care. I'm still not feeling it. I'm okay. not feeling what he's supposed to be. Not feeling it.
0: Well, I've seen. I've seen the um, top five rankings. You know, you have mm-hmm. Moxley, the champion. Then you got uh, Cody, Archer, and who was number three? Omega. And then it's Brody Lee in the four spot, right? Yeah. Well, we know Archer and Cody are going for the TNT title,
1: right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they're
0: busy. Omega mm-hmm. is the tag champion. He's busy with the whole inner circle thing. So mm-hmm. who does that technically leave as the number one contender? Brody Lee. What does he do? Uh, he recognizes, here's my opportunity. All the guys above me yeah, are occupied. Right. So here's my chance to kind of skip the line. Prove to my minions I am a big deal. I We are important. Here we go. Uh-huh. I, 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 I am very okay with this. I get, it does...
2: I, get I get it. Okay, you, yeah. you got me on that. So I still don't like it. Okay. <laughs> I,
0: I, don't think him...
2: I don't want Moxley to lose the title yet. I don't
0: think. No, I don't think he's going to lose. I, I think what's going to happen is Brody's going to lose, and uh, he's going to go full on. Uh, you know, it's not my fault. It's yours situation
2: Uh uh-huh
0: and that's going to uh build more character and we're going to get more uh dark order building and um all of his uh people and i really see i really see the dark order taking the tag titles off of omega and uh hangman in the end yeah and this this could be the the step to that
2: yeah and uh where's hangman been
0: uh he's living in the woods getting drunk
2: oh is that the deal yeah, that's okay. his
0: story. <laughs>
2: okay. <laughs> Where is he? In Arkansas?
0: <laughs> Virginia?
2: Oh, Virginia. Close enough. Didn't near, 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 near,
0: near. I think he still lives there. Anyways. Okay. Uh Brandy Rhodes cuts a promo in a room in her nefarious way she does things. Uh what's interesting was she's she says this isn't nineteen ninety one anymore. I'm not your uh, Monica to your bill or something. Uh, oh. So, yeah, she cuts a lot Cuts a lot of these, you know, Bonnie and Clyde type references, uh-huh. but the one that stood out to me was, I'm not your, uh, this isn't 1991 anymore, which we just watched the Macho Man-Jake the Snake yeah. match, yeah. in yeah. which Elizabeth was attacked by Jake the Snake Roberts, and that's where Macho Man got bit by the snake. Uh... So I was like, so that really stuck out to me in the promo. huh? And I was like, okay, well, you know, I get the reference. Cool. That, that all makes sense to me. Little did I know that paying attention would pay off because we got Lance Archer with Jake Roberts, uh-huh. so Jake the Snake's back, killing right. QT Marshall, as he should. Right. QT Marshall's right. uh, opponent's foot-to-his-face technique is just not a bold strategy. Well, Brandy Rhodes is ringside, and uh, the funny moment here was... Uh, QT's by the barricade and Britt Baker takes her shoe off and beats him with it again. <laughs> Just like she did <laughs> Cody. And there's Brandy for her spot uh, to chuck the shoe like ten rows deep <laughs> into Daly's place. Yeah. So that was funny. And uh, so Lance Archer kills QT with the blackout slam and uh, immediately Britt Baker DDT's Brandy on the outside and throws Brandy in the ring to the murder hawk and jake the snake roberts and yep. then out from the back jake with his boa constructor lays the snake on brandy <laughs> in the most i can't suge-
2: believe she stood she laid there so still oh my god that was awesome of her that was amazing i don't know if i could have done that <laughs> I don't know if I could have been still for for a snake to be crawling on me. I don't know you know snakes don't bother me i, I they don't bother me, but if one's crawling on me uh and then just oh, so was there a lot of commentary about that?
0: <laughs> oh, there was definitely imagery and and uh and symbolism, says jr. <laughs> Because the the snake was like going over her boobs, and ja- uh-huh. Roberts even moves it to her legs, so it goes in between. And then Jake, uh-huh. the snake, does the does the uh, the yoga push up position, and then moves his head back and forth like a snake. Yeah. So there's your there's your symbol symbolism, and um, funny enough, I was like, that's gonna get people very uncomfortable and mad in 2020. And the initial it? reaction on Twitter was that was awesome. Like everyone got it, everyone understood it, right? Uh uh Like that asshole, that's that that snake, right? Yeah. And uh, it wasn't until like a day or two later, where you know it went around to all the people that don't watch AEW, and then they're like, Uh ah, I'm disgusted. How could they? Uh, Well, it's TV. It's TV fourteen. It's not PG. So grow up. (laughs) Yeah. Right.
2: Grow a pair.
0: Grow a pair. Exactly. (laughs)
2: Bunch of flowers. A bunch of
0: flowers. <laughs> Snowflakes is the uh, term. I, is oh. that still the term? I don't know.
2: I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't say know. flowers.
0: <laughs> Taz, I'm, Taz. and 70s,
2: yeah. <laughs> <your> 70s girl. You're 70s girl.
0: Groovy. Exactly. Yeah. Taz interviews Darby Allen, I guess, in a, in a cage. <laughs> and uh, Darby's not talking to Taz. And Taz says... Darby, you've made a lot of mistakes. You pinned yourself last week. (laughs) Ah. Ah. And Darby just gives him the dirtiest look. He's like, don't bring it up. (laughs) And Taz is like, dude, I can help. And Darby just walks away. And Taz gives him that... Breathes in real heavy. He's like, I'm going to get to this kid. (laughs) So if we can get Taz helping out Darby... With then Cody with Arn Anderson... His little, his little coach next to him. This is building up so well. This mm-hmm. is a long-term story. It's in the background of the stories in front of our face. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big story for Darby is Cody and staying relevant. Mm-hmm. In uh, and Cody's going for the title, the TNT title. So excellent. Perfect. Perfect. Speaking of perfect, the Falls Count to Anywhere Tag Team Street Fight. The inner circle of La Sex Gods with Jake Hager taking on Kenny Omega and Matt Hardy.
2: I love that Hardy immediately bit Guevara. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, he said he was gonna he was gonna do it. So, just b- before we get into this amazing piece of theater, <laughs> uh, right? when when Jericho walked out with his bat, he uh. <laughs> He walked by Shug D and kind of mocked him and swung at him. And Pineapple Pete, Shug D took a swing at Jericho. Jericho was aghast of this action. And uh, right before the match started, Tony Shivani no, JR or Excalibur, one of those two, uh, says, and next week we're going to have Chris Jericho versus Pineapple Pete. And Tony Schiavone just goes, get out of here. <laughs> he's so excited. <laughs> so I'm very excited. And if you uh, if you watch the the road to uh, double or nothing, uh, Shug D had a real nice segment on there. Just a couple minutes of him describing you know what it's like to be on the indies and uh, how long he's been doing it in England and the uh, the state of the industry. All his friends are getting signed left and right except him. And all it took was Jericho mocking him on commentary to finally get his uh, his name out there, and him getting this match against him. Just he's just like, I'll see you next week. It was good. Yeah, it was good stuff. Uh huh. All right, mom. Take us through what you loved about because there's so many. There's a billion things that happen here, and I'll just I'll just say my favorite spots and and how it ended. What were what did you think of the match? What were your favorite things that happened? What did you think of the finish and how it ended?
2: I can't tell you any of it.
0: <laughs> what do you mean you can't tell me any of it? Did you, you? I know you watched it.
2: I watched it, but um, I I stopped writing after after Hardy bit Guevara because <laughs> I really liked the match. I mean, there was everything everything that you'd want to see in a match and. I just liked the whole match. It got four stars for me. Excellent. (laughs) You know, so of all the matches, that was my favorite. The um, I That was something that I was so engrossed in watching that I wrote nothing other than Hardy biting Guevara.
1: That's a damn good sign.
2: And then, of course, Hardy going in for the change. And then, um, you know, uh, driving that, the, the cart, Uh I mean, it, it just, it just was so fun. This match had everything and anything, you know, um, it was, it was just a great match. It was a lot, a lot of fun to watch.
0: So it starts in the ring and, uh, Jericho and Hardy, uh, fight to the back. Uh, broken Matt Hardy is how he comes out, and uh, when Hardy reemerges from the back that he was beaten out of, he comes out as uh, uh, Matt Hardy of old from the early two thousands, and he's doing uh, uh, ladder spots, and he jumps off the ladder through the table and everything, and then it uh, it ends up going to the back, so they have a uh, street fight in the back, and that's where <laughs> it comes across as. Uh, It's like in front of a locker room, and there's a big ice chest. Or not ice chest, um, ice box. And Jericho throws Matt Hardy <laughs> into the ice box. The
2: and bleeding. later. Matt-
0: and he's bleeding. Yeah, he hits him all over with a block of ice. Jesus. I was like, shit. Uh, so Matt Hardy's thrown in the ice box. So Kenny Omega then has to take on basically Hager, Guevara, and Jericho three on one. And, uh, commentary's all excited. It's the Kenny of old! He's proven to us why he can, why he's the, uh, the best bout machine, all this stuff. It's like, cool, you know, he should. He's a, if you want to make him a main eventer, he should be able to at least defend himself for a period of time. Uh, uh, what was really funny is Sammy Guevara throws Kenny Omega into an ATM machine, and Money pops out, and Sammy goes, hey, Money! He flit, he shows it (laughs) to everybody, and then puts it in his pants, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like it's a, like it's something out of Streets of Rage. It was super right. funny. Uh, Hardy Wonder emerges he give it back. Uh, no, that's his money. You kidding me? He found finders keepers. <laughs> wow. Hardy emerges from the ice box, and now he's Damascus. And he's talking. He's talking in his uh, his broken way. He goes, "You must document these events." As he gets into a golf cart, <laughs> Omega hops in. <laughs> they run Jericho over, and then. The best moment happens. The golf cart starts heading towards Sammy Guevara. And it's like something out of Wile E. Coyote with a boulder chasing him down uh, that the roadrunner did, right? right. (laughs) Hardy's screaming away. Omega's like leaning out, doing a a gun with this crazy look. And Sammy Guevara's (laughs) running Down the aisle, like he can't step aside. He's so scared. He's like a deer in the headlights. And then he just, then he like runs out of where he can go because the golf carts caught up to him. He turns around and like something out of Grand Theft Auto, he helicopters from getting hit and he's wasted. (laughs) (laughs) It was the best.
2: Well, and, and you know, Hardy had to have his change of clothes too.
0: Yeah, I mentioned that. Yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Yeah. oh so good it's it's uh it's my it's my um kind of like uh cody punching the glass to uh to jericho last year right before full gear Mm -hmm. Uh, right now this is my moment of 2020 uh for yeah no that that was
2: yeah yeah, that was was and they did this
0: live like one shot bang they got it uh Absolutely crazy! Sammy's a Sammy's a psycho, <laughs> taking yeah. a hit like that. Yeah. Uh, Omega gets on a scissors lift, and he does a moon salt from the top, right. which everyone caught him. That was crazy. And that then, uh,
2: was. Th- oh my god.
0: Yeah, and then that was the cue for Proud and Powerful to make their big return to AEW and uh, Inner Circle, Gang Warfare. They take advantage, beat the hell out of. Out of uh, Hardy, throw him through a table, uh, and then they uh, pin Omega. They all they all stand in front of um, like an entryway onto the football field the, of the where right. the Jaguars play. You see Inner Circle on the big bo- billboard, and they're right. all given the middle finger.
1: Right.
0: Uh, I love it. It's like NWO is back on night on uh, TNT. It's amazing. I can't wait for. Yeah. uh I can't wait for the Inner Circle to get their comeuppance. Uh, it's it's super fun they're they're uh they're dicks I can't wait for these dick heels to to get theirs
2: <laughs> <laughs> less sex gods and all
0: <laughs> so good, I have yeah yeah I have uh, I have that match as my number three aew match of the year so far that oh, was yeah, for sure nonstop fun. I don't yeah. think it's better than the tag match uh, from revolution. I don't think it's better than Omega Pac, but it was just, it was just so wacky and fun uh, and engaging and it had yeah, everything you could ever sure. want. Yeah. I loved it. Yep. So I agree. Who's your, who's your wrestler of the two weeks?
2: My, my wrestler of the two weeks. So, yep. um... and I'll
0: ask you again uh, for the next dynamite that we'll record for this cast and uh, including dark that will cover as well.
2: My uh, wrestler for the two weeks. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thinking, mm-hmm. thinking, thinking. Thinking, thinking, thinking. I'm going to have to... Um, I'm going to have to go for... Between Archer... And I really liked Omega Hardy. But for the two weeks, I'm going to have to say Archer.
0: Lance Archer, the murder hawk.
2: Yeah. I like him. He's scary.
0: What's funny is uh, I do my top 15 rankings every two weeks of the wrestlers, and I currently have Archer at number two. Uh, A DDT wrestler. Uh, is huh. number one right now, but that's okay.
2: Well, he's, he hasn't been on my list yet, so...
0: Has not. We'll watch DDT eventually. They just started a TV show every Saturday, so we might have mm. to check that out mm. one of these days. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right, Mom. Uh, we're gonna take a break on this cast, and when okay. we come back, we'll talk the Dark Super Show, which we gotta watch right now. Okay. And... Uh, yeah yeah we'll be back all right mom we're back we are back another night of dynamite in in the books
2: dynamite
0: but first we have to talk about that aew super dark show we watched Okay. Uh, so this is going to be rapid fire. We're going to see how much you retained in your memory banks. You
2: ready? Oh, no, that's really bad. That's really mean. I've nah, slept this is since be fun. then.
0: <laughs> now, <laughs> I've slept two oh whole my, nights since then. That's asking oh my too much. God. <laughs> JD, I know you, you had bourbon, I, so you don't you remember. You told
2: me I didn't have to take notes. <laughs> <laughs> so, I've, yeah, so I've already failed.
0: Uh, I, don't do, so- I don't
2: do well on tests.
0: Yeah, broadcast <laughs> okay. date, May 12th, AEW Dark. This is the first time we've done a whole Dark episode. Basically, it was kind of like a, uh, I think this was a welcome back to AEW show, and they used a lot of the indie talent uh, to showcase. So it came across to me as a warm-up slash uh, indie show.
2: Yeah. So... Yeah,
0: it was. I mean, a it lot. was it was
2: it was good seeing everybody come back, and um, I did enjoy that. And I even made the comment about um, uh, Jurassic Express Jungle Boy uh, getting a little more beefed up, and and in last night's AEW, they even made that comment. That, working out
0: more, looking bigger. Yeah, looking he had bigger, gained yeah.
2: some weight and, you know, was beefing up. And he's only, what, 22, so he's got a, a long boy. way to go.
0: He's a young lad, a young he's lion. He's a young
2: boy. He's got time.
0: <laughs> All right, here we go. Rapid fire. Uh, Chicago boy, Colt Cabana taking on other Chicago boy, Sean Dean. Colt Cabana wins. Yes, no, thoughts? What? What? I want, I want, I want your thoughts if you remember it or not. <laughs> Chicago? Col- yeah. Uh,
2: Taco Cabana? Yeah. Or... No. <laughs> Coconut Cabana? What about it? No. What do you want me to do? What do you Enough want said. from me? Jungle,
0: the Jurassic Express defeated Mike Reed and Ryan Rembrandt. You already, you already talked about Jungle Boy, so they won. Uh private party defeats Lee Johnson and Musa. Why does private, private
2: party? does private party remind me of, uh, of when we were, um, when I went to some of the, was watching some of the shows online. It just it, it reminds me of, of some of those indie, guys.
0: Well, that's uh, where they came from, so it <laughs> oh. would make sense.
2: Oh well, wow.
0: <laughs> John Cruz gets beaten up by 10 from the Dark Order. I liked his spine buster.
2: Well, I enjoyed watching 10. I think it's stupid with him having the the fives on his chest, but whatever.
0: (laughs) Ray Phoenix and Alan Angels had a really good match. I quite enjoyed this one. Alan Angels is the one that went uh, six minutes with Kenny Omega, and everyone had a hissy fit about it. So he, he lasted quite a while against Ray Phoenix. I'm having Phoenix, problems
2: uh, hearing you, JD.
0: Impossible.
2: Uh, it's not impossible. Something's going on. Let me see.
0: Well, you got to click yeah. out and click back oh, that's
2: in. It's not working. Go ahead.
0: All right, I'll just move along. Chris Statlander's back, looking bigger and leaner. She's got a lip ring now. She defeats Danny Jordan. Not too impressed with <laughs> Danny, Danny Jordan.
2: <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: Orange Cassidy defeats Jason Cade. He had a match. Beats him with the revival pin out of nowhere. Do you enjoy the Orange Cassidy match, Mom?
2: I don't like Orange Cassidy. I think <gasps> he's a douchebag myself.
0: <sighs> uh, well, you and Chris Jericho can just be best friends on commentary then.
2: <laughs> just I just I just think he's you know, he's eh, whatever. I'm not impressed with him, with the the hands in the pockets thing, you know, whatever.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Dr. Britt Baker DMD defeats Skylar Moore. Skylar Moore uh, was a little bit more impressive, but uh, Britt Baker uh, impressed me more. She's looking, uh, she needs to get a little consistent in the ring, but flashes of of goodness here out of her. (laughs) You heard me. Jimmy Havoc defeats Luther in a uh, pretty fun hardcore match. Not as not as bloody as I was hoping for personally, but I guess you can only get away with so much on the YouTubes.
2: Mm. Okay.
0: All right. Well, let's move on to uh, the more important show. Dynamite. It was just nice
2: nice seeing everybody back. Yeah. You know. I I think I think the main thing was they were. It was a a nice warm up show to the event for um, last night. So
0: cool beans cool beans jacksonville florida aw dynamite may 13th 2020 excalibur jim ross tony Schiavone. all on commentary the whole crew's here attendance you'd never guess was zero because uh they had a lot of people in the crowd making a lot of noise it it It, amplifies well in Daly's place
2: yep it did does at least i thought so yeah i agree
0: Uh, so i have no notes mom no! So I am you're going off dumbass. my, me- my wow. memory banks.
2: Good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you're in Chrome.
0: <laughs> oh, well. What, what What? do you mean? Oh, yeah, I work with Chrome. I thought I was like, what does Google Chrome have to do with anything?
2: <laughs> I knew you would think that.
0: Yeah. So we're supposed to start the night with Jake Roberts and Lance Archer cutting a promo and uh roberts is talking about how women need to stay in the kitchen and keep him warm at night
2: oh my god it's fucking great chauvinist pig on that
0: uh i love it perfect (laughs) look it's perfect for 2020 It's
2: like from the he he sounds like an era of the 30s you know 20s and 30s women stay at home and cook and clean
0: yeah, needs to wipe the baby's butts and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, come on, who who wouldn't disagree with Jake Roberts in twenty twenty? You know,
2: I think we should go back to those times. We might have uh, moral <laughs> values coming back. You know,
0: come on. I uh, really got really got to get the full sixties <laughs> <60s> mindset going. <laughs> so uh. then he gets distracted because there's this revving of an engine happening. He's like, "What the hell is that?" camera cuts to this truck with a neck tattoo on it cause pompous arrogant egomaniac Cody Rhodes is in a truck and he just Ooh. he <laughs> drives it into a barricade not even manly he just kind of bumps it right. what a loser right. gets because out of the truck
2: the truck
0: well he, he needs to grow a pair if he can get a neck tattoo he needs to at least run over a barricade properly right well you yeah. know
2: yeah <laughs> He's got to protect his shit.
0: Right. Yeah. Okay. So him and Lance Archer meet. They have a pretty fun ball brawl. Ball, pretty fun brawl. And then uh, Cody kicks him in the nuts because Cody's an ego maniacal evil man. Can't even have a fair fight. And that's uh, why
2: him and MJF got along for so long.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think MJF was right about Cody this whole time. Yeah. MJF. MJF uh, has never yeah. let us let us let us astray. He's just very self-confident. Who could blame him for that?
2: I don't know. When you have a, a nicked neck and you cry like a little baby, I got a problem with that.
0: Mom, he didn't cry. He was very brave. Oh, whatever.
2: He made an issue about it, so he's a crybaby.
0: This TNT title has to main event Double or Nothing.
2: Oh, my God. And if... Freaking Cody wins. I am just going to be beside myself.
0: But I did. I did like.
2: I did like Cody grabbing the braids from Archer.
0: Oh, and choking him out with it. Yeah, that was good. (laughs) Ah, So (laughs) there was something you complimented Cody on.
2: (laughs) I did like that because you know I want to know if those braids can can come off or not.
0: So we get our first match. Best friends with Orange Cassidy. They defeated Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy with Marco Stunt ringside. Uh, pretty uh, pretty crazy match. Uh, two fan-favorite teams facing off against each other. What happened at the end was, was where it got just wild. Because, uh, let's see if I can remember all this. I, w-
2: I was disappointed that... Um, because I honestly thought Jurassic, Jurassic uh, Express with Luchasaurus and, um, against Best Friends. I think that, that, that was, it was a good match, but then, like you said, at, near the end there, it was, it was mayhem at its finest. And of course, may, MJF cost, uh, Jungle Boy the match.
0: He did. Cause the he previous did. week, uh, he was informed by Tony Schiavone, uh, that he's gonna face Jungle Boy at Double or Nothing, in which then he uh, did the the big spit take. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Orange Cassidy, te- teased oh, the dive. He's from going the...
2: against Marco Stunt.
0: Well, that's that's next week, not at Double uh, or
2: Nothing. Oh, oh, gotcha, gotcha, okay. Yeah, right, so uh, Orange Cassidy, okay.
0: the way the match ends, Orange Cassidy's on the ramp, he's teasing the dive, Shinsuke Nakamura style, and F- Ray Phoenix out of fucking nowhere kicks this dude's head off. <laughs> And that cute MJF to jump out of the crowd, he post Jungle Boy, costume him the match. match, uh, and uh, Wardlow, like, ragdolls Marco Stone against the, <laughs> the guardrail, and Chuck Taylor hits the awful waffle on Jungle Boy to win. I like the match, the, the finish was chaotic, it was right. absolutely nonsense, but it teased yeah. just about everything you can imagine for the next yeah. couple weeks. Yeah. So I'm okay with that. As long as it leads somewhere, I'm okay. Generally. <laughs> Generally, (laughs) Moxley arrives at the building. He's quite upset because of his stolen big platinum title. Kind of weird that he waited.
2: Yeah, right? He should have gone after him right right then and there.
0: I could have used some backstage segments of Moxley beating some Dark Order asshole backstage. That would have been
2: cool. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh,
0: women's fatal four-way people are very upset on the internets today on the twitter mom Why? hikaru Shida, uh who's been on a, whom has been on a massive winning winning run in 2020 uh defeated penelope ford brit baker and chris statlander whom has a lip ring as i mentioned before <laughs> it's really i intense. guess
2: you go no. <laughs> <laughs> well that's the sign of the times there my dear
0: I'm not a lip ring kind of guy. <laughs>
2: um, it's it's right up there with that thing on the tongue, that
0: I can deal with a tongue ring. No. Yeah, I can deal with that. No, no.
2: Oh no, yeah. that ting tongue ting piercing thing. Oh no, that that does so much. Well, damage. I know
0: I could never get. Look, Mom, I know I could never get one because that's one more thing for you to grab a hold of whenever I'm in trouble.
2: Well, oh, I'd have a far reach, son.
0: <laughs> so I really, I really like this match. Uh, there was some, there was some uh timings and miscues and whatnot, a lot. and a, <laughs> a lot.
1: there, there was a
0: lot. But a lot. I don't know the, slu- the 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 when a match gets kind of rough around the edges, like this one did, especially with uh, Britt Baker kind of being lost at times. Yeah. I don't know. There's some realism that it brings to matches Mm -hmm. for me uh unless i keep seeing the same thing over and over again like the same maneuver that just misses or something but that's Mm -hmm. not that's not the case here Mm -hmm. uh the one that scared me the most was when penelope ford was on chris statlander's shoulders Mm -hmm. and she wants to do the reverse rana goes backwards off Mm -hmm. the shoulders in which ford had to like basically bend her body in half so she wouldn't brain herself on the canvas and then statlander did what she does best and flips herself all the way around <laughs> she did it for right. baker and she did it for ford here so statlander being super athletic was really cool and she did just being super solid i like this match right person won. Uh, Baker went crazy. What were they
2: saying on, online about it? What was the upset? Was everyone so bent out of shape about that? Oh, they're making match? fun of
0: Britt Baker for being basically being so young in, in the business as she is. Uh, the women shouldn't be doing moves that are this dangerous. Even though there, I really only think there was the one move that came across dangerous, which I just mentioned. Oh, uh, okay. Oh. I mean, but it's two gymnasts doing these things, so it's not like they're not adept at flipping their bodies, right? Uh huh. You know.
2: Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't feel that way. I, I wasn't seeing that. So. And I'm and I'm all about that shit with the women. So I didn't. <laughs> I didn't see it.
0: You'd be the first one to absolutely. <laughs> to <highly criticize. laughs> <laughs> uh, I did really like when uh, Britt Baker was trying to uh, get her submission in for the win and Statlander starts raking her nose. That and was that's funny. Where, and that's when Britt Baker just has, like, she's beside herself. She rips Statlander outside and puts her in the lock jaw and Your won't let go.
2: lock on Britt.
0: <laughs> that well, was she great. freaked out. And that's yeah. when Sheeta just took advantage and uh, took care of Penelope Ford in the ring, gets the win. And Britt Baker just went crazy and then later did not even, well, she she was very upset with Chris Statlander going after her deviated septum.
2: Uh, No, broken nose. What is it? Broken nose, deviated septum. What's the deal? Somebody pick one. It can be both. It can't even be. I don't think it was either. I think she just had a bloody nose from Sheeta and move on.
0: Oh, I, I like I like how they executed a little little story here and it and it's and it's leading to a double or nothing match between Baker and Statlander. I got no problem with that.
2: But I, I think I think she, you know, if uh she didn't do that, she wouldn't have her bloody t-shirt now.
0: <laughs> she wouldn't be making money on the bloody t-shirt, yeah. Right. right.
2: <laughs> so she should be grateful to Sheeta for giving her a bloody nose. Whether it was broken or not. What <laughs> it was a good, uh, good blood.
0: Yeah, so let's uh, let's just do rapid fire here on all these backstage interviews. I'll even um, go through a couple that happened later. Uh, skip right towards Hikaru Shida getting interviewed by Lexi Nair, and uh, Shida's English has massively improved. Still a little rough around the edges, <coughs> like she's having trouble kind of matching her brain to her words. You know, she knows what to say, and then it, it's it's that language barrier of. I know what to say, but I can't quite say it the way I want to yet. Uh, so she, she's like, yeah, I won. I can't wait to do the title match. And then Nyla Rose comes and I found your kendo stick bitch and nails her. (laughs) So it's going to be a no DQ match, double or nothing there. Shug D, uh, does a promo spent 16 years. We went uh, through this before I mentioned, um, they kind of did the same thing here, uh, He's happy, Pineapple Pete, but he's gonna make it uh, make it count in the ring. Uh, do, 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 they announced a casino ladder match for Double or Nothing. Nine people are gonna be in it. Uh, so far, they've announced. Let's see if I can remember this. Cult Cabana, or uh, not orange? No. Stadium uh, Colt-
2: Stampede match.
0: No, no, no. This is a Casino Ladder match uh with the winner gets an AEW title shot.
2: I thought they were going to and... do a Stadium Stampede match too. Yeah, that was later. Oh.
0: That was announced later. <clears throat> um uh, so, pardon me. 9 people are in Colt Cabana, uh excuse me, Kitty Cat. Oh. Yeah, meow. Um uh, Darby <laughs> Allin, Scorpio Sky, uh Ray Phoenix and I want to say they announced Orange Cassidy for it. Hmm. So there's still about four people left. Uh, It will be basically under Royal Rumble rules where two people start in the ring. They can win the match uh, with whatever they're grabbing at the top of the ladder. And uh, systematically, another person will enter. I assume all of this will be random. So whoever gets the best luck will start the match and have the best chances to win. Mm -hmm. Uh, My worry is it could be a total clusterfuck mess, uh, like uh, War Games 1998, which I watched not too long ago, in which it was a similar situation of Mm -hmm. random people starting the ring and it could end at any time. Mm -hmm. Uh, But (laughs) AEW (laughs) hasn't... Jericho was not in that match. Okay. (laughs) But Hulk Hogan and The Ultimate Warrior were, and Uh, it was atrocious. Uh, uh, So A.W. hasn't steered me wrong. I don't think their WCW 1998's terrible, so I have no reason to well, doubt that quite yet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Hardy and Kenny Omega defeat Proud and Powerful. Yay.
2: Uh, yay. I, I, like the, the match went, I like this match.
0: I thought it went a little too long, but I did I, like you it. You
2: know, and I didn't feel that way at all. I thought it was... Um, oh. Because normally, you know, I'm like, oh my god, the match is so long, blah, blah, But it it kept going. It kept me um, entertained, and uh, I enjoyed it. I liked right. it. My and it favorite moment- was hysterical moment. With, with Guevara coming out with that neck
0: brace. Oh my god, I was just about to say <laughs> that. My favorite moment <laughs> was when Sammy Guevara limps out <laughs> with a neck brace on and chair- he limps in the ring, just a total uh, handicap. And, he, and Hardy's staring at him. And Guevara's like, I'm going to get you, motherfucker. And then Hardy I just...
2: loved what Hardy did to him. That was awesome. Oh, my just God. He just brains him, him real hard. Oh, oh, yeah. Now you really do have neck issues, buddy.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you so know? Second, second straight week that Sammy Guevara basically dies in the ring.
2: <laughs> from hardy on From Hardy.
0: Yeah, from Matt Hardy. Yeah. So if this could be a weekly thing, well, I Matt, very much. You know, this. Matt
2: Hardy has been all about getting um getting uh his revenge on Guevara.
0: He did say he's a false he's a false Spanish guy yes. Doesn't even know Spanish. Yes.
2: <laughs> and he doesn't. And, and he proved it last night. <laughs> yeah. That was great.
0: Uh, let's see. <laughs> Uh, Taz spoke with Darby Allen again, C- kind of the same thing. Uh, bur- <laughs> Tries to apologize to Darby Allen, but then Darby's like, "I was yeah, it. in the top three in the state of Idaho in amateur wrestling. I know what I know what a tip is." He's like, "I'm sorry, Darby." <laughs> <laughs> I love this. It's a slow build. I can't wait to see, possibly manager Taz for Darby Allen.
2: Yeah, you think? Hmm. Uh-
0: Let's okay. see here. Doo, doo, doo. Announced all that stuff. MJF defeats Lee Johnson. Quick, uh, short, shoulder not breaker. To the match. Uh, yeah, shoulder breaker. Salt of the earth armbar. He cuts man. a promo saying, "Ah, he's a little bit stiff, don't you agree, Lee Johnson?" <laughs> <And he's turned laughs> right. Kind of deal. Uh, and then that's when they announce uh, Marco stunt for next week. Uh, Jericho defeated Pineapple Pete. We all took bets on how long the match would last. Yep. Uh, I said 3.30. You said you, four minutes. I you, believe Jay he, said five yeah, minutes. Yeah, he
2: did. And This we lasted one wrong. minute
0: and three seconds. <laughs> we were all wrong. <laughs> I mean, Pineapple Pete we made a big fiery... We not it on stage. <laughs> no, no, no. He made a big fiery start, and then he yeah, tries he running into the corner and met an elbow, and that was done. Bung. Uh This was all for the entire inner circle to cut a promo. Jericho says, uh, now that the, the Pineapple Pete threat... Has been <laughs> done away with. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's time for the elite. He, this is where he announces the stadium stampede. So they're gonna brawl all over the stadium in Jacksonville with a, a ring at the fifty-yard line. That's gonna be cool. Oh, wow, they can do a lot okay. of interesting things with that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, Vanguard One gets right in Jericho's face and he beats this thing with a bat. It's very devastating. We're all sad for the funeral. Of Vanguard One. Matt Hardy came out. He's very sad.
2: Very upset. <laughs> <laughs> Almost in tears.
0: I could I could hear the violin playing. You could. I really could.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh huh let us see. Uh doo-doo-doo. Mike Tyson will present the TNT title uh, to the winner at double or nothing. So that's kind of cool.
2: Yeah. Interesting.
0: Um, and then we got our main <laughs> event. Brody Lee came to the ring, demanded to be announced as the self proclaimed AEW champion. And then he had asshole. a pretty good... See,
2: he's an asshole.
0: Well, I mean, Lee's an he's very asshole.
2: Confident. What? Do people he's even like him?
0: Well, I think his followers like him, Mom.
2: Oh, well. I don't Maybe. know what followers he has.
0: The Dark Order. There's at least oh. ten of them.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: So Brody Lee defeats Christopher Daniels. I thought it was a solid match. It's it kind of Actually, reminded me of Actually, there
2: was a match, you know, because most of Brody Lee's matches haven't really been even a match. So, it'll be interesting to see uh Brody Lee against Moxley, right?
0: Mm-hmm. More, well, I mean, this one was competitive. It was very yeah, solid, but it, it didn't knock it didn't knock my socks off. No, of course uh, not.
2: Cuz Brody Lee's a lard anyways.
0: Oh, harsh. He's,
2: he, <laughs> he's heavy footed. He's lurch. Lurch on the ring. Mm. Not a fan. Don't like it. Well, a
0: big moment was after the match. Uh, SCU and the Dark Order are all getting beat. They're all having a, a tussle. And then Moxley's music hits. He comes in. He starts beating up dudes on the way to the ring. And my favorite part was Brody Lee and Ten are outside the ring. Lee. Chucks a chucks a Dark Order member in to be sacrificed to Moxley, right. and that's where he that's where he like turns around, snaps his fingers, and him and Ten walk away. He's like, "We're out of here, boys." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's very good. I like that. And Moxley cuts a fantastic promo, promised a hailstorm of violence at Double or Nothing. He sounded a little bit kind of mental about it. He's very upset,
2: <laughs> and as he should be. I'm pissed. Well. I'm in the ring with him. Way to kick some ass.
0: <laughs> Bring uh, it.
2: Bring it. Oh, what, man. What was it? You dirty rat. <laughs> Join the dark order. Who's the dirty rat? Who is the dirty rat? He never said that, by the way. James said never said that.
0: No. All right. So finally. Finally. Did- did uh who's your uh i guess who's your favorite from the the uh the super dark in this uh dynamite show
2: so um my favorite match was the omega hardy santana ortiz that was my favorite match i got three three stars for that Ah, and then uh actually i really like jungle boy
0: i really he makes your list
2: he made my list to to, to today
0: yeah he made the list eventually you're gonna have uh it seems like you're gonna have the (laughs) I'm going to have the AW whole yeah, roster gonna, on yeah, there. I'll have the whole roster on there. Only one person, still to this day, only one person has made it twice.
2: <laughs> Who? Who made it twice? Moxley. Hangman Page. Oh, Hangman. I miss him so much.
0: He's in the woods getting, he's, well, what did Jericho say? He's uh, He's in the woods picking berries <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah. All
2: right. Yeah, I miss well, him. With, I'm, I'm surprised he wasn't in... But I I think he'll be nothing? he'll be uh
0: it'll be after Double or Nothing he'll
2: oh you back. think okay I think so okay maybe I don't know mm, I don't
0: know maybe no maybe he will be at Double or Nothing that's possible okay all right well we got other stuff to record thank we you do. for joining me on a another AEW episode mom you betcha enjoy we got Double or Nothing for the next cast
2: can't wait.
0: Yes, time to talk some Ice Ribbon. I was on the No Particular Angle podcast with uh, Buddy JPQ and Eric from the Joshi Pod, who was just on the previous podcast. We talked a lot of Joshi wrestling, uh, the state of the industry and whatnot. That was a very fun episode to be a part of. I encourage everyone to go check out that. Uh, We did mention a little bit of the dojo shows that have been taking place, but here we're going to go into... Hopefully, a little bit deeper detail go through my notes and thoughts let's get started uh, yes ice ribbon has been doing uh, empty arena shows at their dojo uh, doing a lot of doing all they can to kind of sell some merchandise hype up a new little title that they can, they re came out with the iw Juku title the 19 title that I will keep keep uh, reiterating it is to be pronounced the Juku title uh, doing a little tournament here. I like the little. I like the uh, the tournament. Where the first round will get you into a three-way, and then you win your three-way to go to the finals. The finals will be the Juku champion exhibition match here. Tekla versus Ishikawa. Three-minute time limit. So still your basic warm-up for Ishikawa as she trains and awaits her debut. Tekla does win. Uh, this is followed by Sakushi and Suzu Suzuki taking on Yappy and Satsuke Totoro. Lots of miscommun- miscommunication here from Suzu and Sakushi, here to the point of fighting against each other in the match. Quite like that. Suzu is getting flattened by the bigger duo for a spell. Uh, I swear Suzu is adding a move per match now, or at least perfecting and tweaking what she has. I love that. For example, Lashley Spear, standing moonsault, Matrix Bridge into a quick Insiguri combo, and her... Two real quick roll-ups uh, that she's throwing in. One is a leg-catch leg catch scissor, and the other is how she pinned Yappy with the Takia Maestral Roll, basically a one-legged wheelbarrow credanza. Had a little Chris Jericho terminology there. A block, Juku title, Karumi versus Risa Sara. This match was just, just wonderful. Uh, the start showed off Risa Sarah's comedy side, where she wants to pander to a crowd as uh, she has been bringing in her, her personal camera into the ring, uh, which they sell on the, the DVD. They put on the DVD for the uh, for the shows that they sell later. While here, she kept screaming at the hard cam for the live audience to get behind her as Kurumi walks up behind with the what-is-wrong-with-you look. Got a good laugh out of that. They fight for the over-the-top rope win, uh, Sarah goes for a low bridge, but then gets the the look, right? As she looks at the camera. And Sarah does the uh-oh at the look herself, facing the hard cam. Uh, so the comedy was then over, uh, as from there, it was mostly serious. A beautiful, beautiful black hole slam by Karumi, but Sarah rolls out of the ring before she can follow up. Sarah then cracks her with a chair. Karumi does get mad uh, and brawls on the outside. Starts Helting Sarah with chairs and sets up a pile. All while the 19 count is going on. As we know, with this match and the stipulation, there are countouts in this Ice Ribbon match. They battle for a suplex or slam on the chairs. Sarah wins this battle with a suplex. Beats the count. Weird, kooky, smart Risa Sarah. Who knew? She moves on. I love it. Big, big, big points for Risa Sarah in this match. She was... MVP B block Juku title Maya all belts versus Matsuya Uno so rebel enemy versus the joint army here snow versus ink you will if you're up on your Japanese terminology and this match was all about the ground joint game with some hard hard chest slapping in between ah this was this was wonderful Uno works the right ankle of Maya throughout and even goes for that Sonata tie-up in the guardrail for a count-out win. I was like, oh, okay. All right, Uno. I feel you here. What a strong match this was. Eventually, Maya does do her slip-through counters, kicks her head off a couple times, big cocky smile, swanton bomb, the best in the business currently. That two excellent bouts here, and Maya sold uh, that leg and ankle work from Uno just oh so well. Best leg-selling I've seen in the two weeks. Constantly shaking off the leg, utilizing her left foot as opposed to her worked foot, going for one-footed moves for most of her offense. Can't speak highly enough of this. And then we got our main event. Yes, the main event of 1038, A-block Juku title, Sukasa Fujimoto, Tsuka herself taking on Hamuko Hoshi. All right, let's take a let's take a sip of this beer here because oh my God, mm. I went in asking, why in Moses is Hamuko in the main event? And then to my shock, sexy dynamite here, Venus shoots Tsuka and off to the races. I can't believe I'm saying this, but this match was really quite good—not great because Hamako's in it, but so much better than this had any right to be. Now I'm not—I wasn't going in with the expectation of a Tamino-level match or even a Nia Jax-level match. I was in it for a Hamako Hoshi match—you know, just a veteran that just never got good in the ring. <laughs> but knows comedy spots and the whatnot, right? Knows, knows their offense and can at least execute it uh, to, a, to a decent degree with some slip-ups in, in between for me to just laugh at their incompetence. The match structure was very solid. The building up to bigger and bigger moves and near falls. The pacing, Tuka was extremely determined to make this match something and pay attention to. Uh after the clock ticking down once that ten minutes hit, because as we know, there's a nineteen minute limit in a nineteen uh title match, uh the match went into near fall near near fall mode. Ooh, come on, that beer can't be kicking in just yet. Constantly getting closer and closer with each preceding near fall. Uh there was an absolutely hilarious Hamako moment. Oh, I was waiting for it, boys and boys and girls. Uh where there was a Venus clutch near fall. She gets up and then just stares at Tsuka. Just totally lost in the in the universe. And her decision to follow follow up this what do I do next moment? You know, a punch to the face? A big chop to the chest. Nah. She follows this up with like a Oh you and kind of pushes Tsuka's shoulder. Uh like uh, two kids on a playground going, oh, come on. And then she goes to hit the ropes. I died laughing. From there, they finish out with a hundred near falls, getting closer and closer, adding some big move kickouts. Uh, Hamako kicked out of two Sukadoras, which I didn't expect for one fucking second. I was flabbergasted. Just, oh my god, Hamako might win this match. Hamako gets the last offensive push, getting her near falls with an excellent disaster kick reversal with an elevated mid-rope release German suplex, and then it goes to the time limit draw at 19 minutes. And due to the rules of the Juku title, a draw goes to the live chat vote. I love this stipulation, I must say. It's unique, it gives the audience a reason to watch, it gives an audience investment, and in a whopping 74% win, Hamako wins the vote. I loved all this. An excellent show and one of the best empty arena shows to date. This show established two out of the three unique rules to the title with the count out at 19 and now the vote to the live audience. All that's left is the uh, -the over-the-top rope uh, for the tournament in the semis and fantastic. So I predict right here now that Suzu Suzuki will beat Akane Fujita via throwing her over the top rope. It's the only one they have left. Fantastic! All the points in the world, and then to just scream through this 10:39 singles match. Yappy gets her first ever win, screams in excitement against Ibuki Hoshi. 6:23 tag team match. Risa sarah and Satsuke Totoro defeat Maya Yukihi and Tekla. That's an interesting team. 13 minute, net, 13 and a half minute match. Highlight here is the continuing story of the ring area opposite the hard cam has no mats; it's only concrete. Uh, so, Sarah and Totoro body plus press, press slam, Maya over the top rope to the floor, taking her out of the match, so Tekla is isolated and eats the pin. Mochi Miyagi defeats Matsu Uno in a nine-minute match. Newly-dumped War Crusher, Mochi Miyagi. I loved it, and again, I died laughing. Miyagi continues to look amazing in her in-ring injury return. I just can't speak highly enough of Mochi Miyagi she's she's reached a next level a new level with me uh i've i've just totally become a fan of hers and she introduced the style clash of all things as a finisher of hers her stock rises further in the ice ribbon faithful no doubt with that and of course big points for me with the styles clash dangerous fucking move cuz people fuck it up not the not generally the person executing it Uh, But hey, War Crusher got the Styles Clash. Main event, Fujimoto and Sakushi, the drop kickers taking on Suzu Suzuki and making her in-official in-ring debut, now Ishikawa, 14 minutes. Fantastical uh, official debut for Ishikawa, I must say, uh, teaming with the young upstart Suzu here. Basically, it's the vet team drop kickers giving her the Yuji Nagata welcome to wrestling treatment, which means hard slaps, chops, and extra hard slams. Oh, I love a good young lion beat down. A simple match to highlight the rookie. Good little house show type here. And, uh, let's see. 10, um, 1040. Oh my god, there's another Ice Ribbon show. That was actually four Ice Ribbon shows. No, 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 it was three. Never mind. I just went so long on 1038. Oh god, more beer. Let's get more messed up. I got a Twitter notification. What's going on here? No big deal. Okay. Mm. Ah. So here we continue with a round in the IW Juku Tournament. So far in the block, Tsukushi, Hamako, and Risa Sara are through to compete in their triple threat. While in block B, it's Maya and Totoro as we wait for the winner of Suzu and Fujita. Did not take place on this show, but we are building up uh, at least two of those events. So just to keep you informed. Match one, Tekla and Hamiko versus Kurumi and now Ishikawa. 12 minutes, not a bad little showcase here for Tekla now. In time, both will get better in the ring and start to move more natural. Uh, my favorite spot was easily Kurumi doing a Dominator on now. Uh, on to Tekla for a near fall. Tekla submits now for the win. Uh, Yappi versus Suzu. Big highlight here was Yappy doing an Earthquake spot followed by a Warrior Rope Shake. To unbalance Suzu while she is on the top rope. I love this. More please. Alas, Suzu makes sh- short work of the good fight in Yappi. Snapped Urban Suplex to win. Kind of was hoping for a different... Uh... I mean, Japan loves their German Suplex. Don't get me wrong. Match 3, Tsuka versus Ibuki Hoshi. Solid quick match. I love the finish here. Set up a few near falls for Ibuki, but then Tsuka does two straight variations into her Venus Clutch. Then Ibuki tries a power-up forearm... But then gets shinsuke into a rolling armbar by Suka, whom transitions into her new cross-armed camel clutch. for The submission win. Thought that was real nice. Building up Suka's uh, new submission move. Gonna be interesting over the next uh, year or two, having, I would expect, uh, uh, Sukasa and Risa to retire. Uh, but who knows? Maybe uh, Fujimoto will be just one of those Josie that just never seems to retire. Uh, The Ozakis of the world. Uh, I mean, who knows? Maya versus Tsukushi was the major highlight here, as it was Maya and Totoro teaming up against Tsukushi and Risa Sara. So here's your big build-up match. Uh, Dysfunction among the teams with um, uh, Maya, Totoro, and just everyone in general. Very much enjoyed all this, plus Maya's new attitude matches her subtle change. She showed leading up to her rebel turn, her highlighting her major offensive moves was great here. Swanton bomb to Jerry roundhouse kick, sit out blackout slam. And of course the tiger driver to finish off Sukushi. Uh, if Maya doesn't get another title, uh, then whomever pins her next. Cause holy shit, a star would be made without question. Uh, I was almost positive that we are 21 months. The last time Maya took a pinfall loss uh at least in a singles match and uh kind kind gentleman on twitter uh said uh yeah she's taken a few she's taken you know six or seven falls uh building up uh you know whether it's an infinity title defense or a uh tag title defense uh she did lose a three way uh when she had the triangle title uh but she's only lost in the past 21 months Twice in a singles match. Twice. Once in Oz. And then... Once in October of 2018 to Rina Yamashita. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, oh my god. Do I have a DDT drop made? Oh boy. Oh no. Oh! Yeah, buddy. My god, now I have an excuse to play the Maki Ito music. Oh, that makes me happy. Everyone, grab your beverages and drink to Maki Ito, the greatness that is the cutest in the world. Hmm. Well, so DDT started a weekly show, and I just had to check it out. So add DDT to the pure award now, I guess. <laughs> it's just, with nothing running, I gotta do what I gotta do. and uh, But I'm not backlogging here like I did with Big Japan. This is a weekly show starting up, so it qualifies under the normal podcast rules. Uh, so yes, uh, May 1st, TV show, uh, number one. Uh, singles match, Yoshihiko defeats Yuki you know five minutes 42 seconds yes the blow-up sex doll comes out to the undertaker's old 90s ministry music wins a goofy one i got a big fucking laugh on this one ddt iron man heavy metal title match uh dansko dino defeats akito in two minutes a short match ends via nut shot from dino and rolls him up And then they do something really interesting, which is they replay the events, kind of like a manga presentation of what went down, play-by-play thoughts and compilation from the wrestlers replaying everything, Uh, but unfortunately, there's no English subtitles, it's all in Japanese. Uh, You can follow along for the most part, you know, kind of follow along the story being told, Uh, but yeah, definitely Lost was lots of, lots were lost in translation on this one. Uh, one of my favorite matches of the tv show uh, so far as is both one, both of them is the chris brooks and maki ito tag match defeating Hiroshima and poketan uh yes same Hiroshima we just saw go to battle with uh masato tanaka 13 minutes extremely entertaining the combo of maki and brooks is just excellent beating up the mascot poketan was absolute gold material From the ref not allowing the wet willy spot because of the coronavirus. uh, To Brooks asking who's the cutest in the world. uh, To no crowd. And uh, then Maki gets in to show how it's done. She says, she says, um, you know, her, uh, uh, Maki does say her little uh, phrase.
1: Yeah,
0: she says that and she does the uh like a fake audience of men you know uh f- for Itochan, and then she goes Arigato, and does the does the bonk on the uh mascot's head i died laughing uh yeah the rivalry of pokéton and maki made me laugh hysterically they're they're both giving each other the middle finger treating each other like shit maki's just devastated with this disrespect The best spot for me was Brooks taking the mascot's head during a Poketon fiery comeback on Maki. uh, Hits the ropes, and then as he's coming back to, to, I guess, headbutt Maki, that's on the ground, Brooks chucks the mascot head at Poketon like a torpedo. It does like, you know, I I talked about Dana Brooks slipping on a wet floor. Imagine getting, slipping on the wet floor as you're getting torpedoed with a big mascot head. (laughs) It was great. Uh, Maki then puts the head on mid-rope headbutt for the win. Great entertaining match. Just, oh, I can't speak highly enough of this. Three-way match, Mao, yes, same Mao. Kanosuke, Takashida, yes, same one. And Naomi Yoshimura kind of had high hopes for this match uh, as a three-way. Twelve and a half minutes. It was just too goofy, very sloppy, not very good. They were just, I think they were just trying new things to make it entertaining In an empty arena, which I do appreciate. It was just the wrestling wasn't all there. Uh, Didn't feel it. Mal wins. Uh, Universal title match. The real universal title. Daisuke Daisuke Sasaki defeats Antonio Honda 13 minutes. Uh, I thought it was very entertaining. I like Dr. Sasaki here more because he's uh, a way better wrestler. and Made the most out of Honda from that standpoint. Uh, Honda's comedy just wears on me for what, for what that's worth. Uh, best part here is the brawl backstage to, uh, where there's a bar set up, uh, where Poketon is serving up Sapporo beer. So mid match, they do a beer break and then they do some well-placed ads. I laughed. Um, and then we had our KOD open weight title challenger sword match. Yes. If you're the number one contender, you have a sword uh, for the KOD title. Uh, Tetsuya Endo is the sword holder so uh, Kazusada Higuchi was challenging him for the sword 24 minutes and 15 seconds this match just flew by one of the better all around empty arena wrestling matches I must say I like this match more than the uh, uh, Moxley uh, Kazarian match Higuchi is this old school look and style wrestler with a bit of a power sumo in his repertoire for reference and endo is a total beast moves like aj styles performs like osprey except he's not as good as either <laughs> he's getting there though he's getting there uh that's a very high bar i know i realize what i said but gucci finally does win this bout via the canadian backbreaker into a choke i combo uh, not a fan of that finisher it, it it seems good on paper but uh when it was executed kind of comes off as kind of weak but uh I do recommend this match. It was very uh very good. I love Tetsuya Endo. Um t- excuse me, he's built like a brick house. And uh Higuchi is a new challenger. Uh saw Endo um at the top, you know, for a long time in DDT. So I do I do like uh Tanaka versus Higuchi. That's pretty damn cool. Assuming Tanaka wins his TV uh, to May 9th defense. So let's get into that. Uh, Saki Akai and Mizuki Watase versus Saori Anno and Yukio Naya. Yeah, Saori Anno, An extremely rough match to watch, I must say. Yukio is very, very green. Uh, The real star here was Saori Anno. Yes, I'm saying it. I haven't seen her wrestle in forever and my 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 has she improved leaps and bounds in both ring savviness and especially on the character standpoint. Big swag feel coming from Sauri. She beats all the the. <laughs> let me rephrase this. She beats the all legs Saki Akai. Yeah, yeah. Excellent bridged out German suplex. Um, very good stuff. Uh, Saki Akai is kind of a a staple of the DDT roster. She's a uh, she's a long legged idle looking looking uh, Joshi. Uh, she's not the best in the ring but she gets a fuck ton of sympathy just super easy uh gives me kind of a that that uh, miss hancock stacy keebler vibe to it all except of course saki akai i will say is a better wrestler than stacy keebler (laughs) um so yeah i don't know just gives her the big swag after the match and and saki was just oh so sad (laughs) And you know me, anyone named Saki uh, gets no sympathy from me, at least. All these Sakis in the world are pure evil, as far as I'm concerned. Akito versus Yoshihiko. Yes, the sex doll has returned. And this match was utterly ridiculous. Pretty amazing watching wrestlers have better wrestling matches. with And better booking, mind you, with a blow-up sex doll than real people. It's outstanding, right? Akito works the legs of Yoshihiko, uh, which I have Yoshiko in my notes, uh, but proves too much as the tides get turned at the end with a half-Nelson followed by an epic Canadian destroyer. Unfortunately, Takashita interferes. That brat bastard. I believe it was the same guy that called out Yoshiko on TV show 1. Uh, he beats the hell out of her? Wraps her around the post multiple times, takes out the legs, throws Yoshiko back in, and the ref to, for Akito, to pick up the win, and take the forearm gauntlet, gauntlet prize. Bastard. Iron Man heavy, heavy metal weights championship four-way match. It's Dino versus Hiroshima, versus Somo Takao, versus Keigo Nakamura. So yeah, this was pretty good three-way for a while, I know I said four names, but Dino just didn't show up. Well, he had a plan. This devious, devious Dino waits until all the parties involved are exhausted and he pounces. His music hits out from the, under the ring. He comes. He penis plexes Kego and Hiroshima and underwear stuff pile driver on Soma for the win. Oh, that sneaky, no good bastard gets away with another one, boys. Kenosuke Takashida versus Goto Ibashi. Uh QT Marshall and AEW has met his competition in, in uh in the fight for the most uninspiring greatest wrestler ever here. Cause there's Gota. The big moment here is the lights go out, and who shall up here but Yoshihiko? Yes. After a brief exchange, Yoshiko hits a pile driver on Takashita. Goto tries to take advantage, but after a kick out and a missed moonsault loses on an Oklahoma roll, we get Katsuda calling out Yoshihiko for next week. The plot thickens. Hope I got all the names right there. Chris Brooks versus Shunma Katsuda in a hardcore match. Yes, that same Katsuda that just called out the top draw in DDT. By all accounts, it was a garbage match. Fairly entertaining still. Lego spots, plastic tub pyramid spot, uh, and finish via Brooks praying mantis bomb through a table to win. Uh, the post-match is where most interesting. Universal champion Sasaki jumps Brooks, tries to take him out, but Mao makes the save and his mark on the title. Brooke gets up, takes down Sasaki, and says he doesn't need the help for the universal title shot. Get to the back of the line. And then the, I guess the GM comes out, makes it a four-way. Mao, Rege, Sasaki, and Brooks. At least I think so. This is what my interpretation was. Main event, Masato Tanaka versus Masao Sakaguchi for the KOD title. Will Tanaka survive another title defense before taking on Higuchi with the challenge sword? So much like the third Tanaka KOD match, Masao starts hot and then falls to Tanaka's legwork. And the match surprisingly goes only 13 minutes. This had that Masao always needing to either come back, overcome, or fight from underneath to make this a match. Because of the legwork and getting cracked by Tanaka. Every time it looked like Masao was making a fight of it, Tanaka had an answer. So building off uh, the Takashita match where Takashita was trying to hang with Tanaka's badassery, Masao Sakaguchi here just could not keep up. There were a few uh, moves of no-selling from uh, Masao, but was always answered back rather quickly uh, by Tanaka, just cracking him. Uh, with a big forearm or, or whatnot, so I was okay with this. This worked very much more in the context of the story being told in the ring. Uh, the match ends via the sliding D-elbow. Uh, Masao kicks out at one, but then Masao falters, so he, he gets to his feet, kind of collapses, and grabs the shins of Tanaka, and the ref calls for a TKO finish. I love this finish for a shorter match it establishes Tanaka now as a huge badass uh, post match Higuchi calls his shot with the challenge sword, challenge sword so that looks to be our next title match officially uh, I love bookings like this it makes you uh, it, it establishes new finishes for things going forward and uh, you know the previous one uh, told me that story this one exacerbated the story uh, in a good way and uh executed very well um, good stuff G- gets a thumbs up from me and now I will uh, anticipate the uh, forthcoming DDT TV shows. Needless to say, ice ribbon and DDT get their respective points along with aew because WXw is not running so let's get to the tallies boys that will make aew7 WXw0. Indie shows are non-existent right now, so no points. Ice Ribbon gets five points to Stardom's four. They officially take the lead. And DDT gets one. So there you go, one more, and they've caught up with Big Japan Wrestling. And uh going to be interesting, considering uh King of Gates is happening this weekend and DDT's TV show. So let's see what happens. Who impresses me more? Hmm. So, yeah. With Big Japan possibly closing down, I might just erase that from records. But because they got the two pity the pity points from me, I guess. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so very much uh, DDT's very much impressed me uh, with their TV shows and uh, they're they've uh, they're more focused. It came across as uh, despite the comedy, made me really realize that a lot of AEW's comedy is DDT based. Uh, which, again, I'm very okay with. I would rather much see a, um, uh, relationship with AEW, uh, with either Dragon Gate or DDT, uh, rather than New Japan or All Japan, uh, personally. Um, just from a different standpoint. And New Japan has the ROH thing, so that's fine. I already got their, uh, their connection. So yeah, let's get into. Let me uh, let me play. The, you know what? No, no, uh, no. Dragon Gate drop since this is just a simple prediction. Uh, as I'm going through, uh, I will start out with Niagara Drivers uh, in in the uh, Redleaf Retrocast Discord. Uh, he gave me his little predictions. I did require it out of them, though. Uh, the way the uh, King of Gate is working this year, as opposed to four blocks, everyone gets uh, the block winners go into a semi final matchup, then they meet in the final. Uh, this year we will have three blocks and then a uh, a revival battle royal for the fourth and final semifinal spot. So all the losers uh that don't make it to the semi semifinal will get a second chance in this battle royal. So I I like I like a little I like the little change up. Uh, would I have rather watched a three way uh, because it's Dragon Gate? Yeah, probably. Uh, but I'm not against this idea. Uh, coming out of A block, I actually have Dragon Kid. Uh, as uh, Niagara Drivers, uh, he says, uh, uh, Benke beats Doi in the semifinals, uh, gets revenge. So those are his, here's two picks. And then uh, Ata will win in the finals uh, as he gets back in, winning the Battle royal. Uh, So that would be Benkei wins block C for him. Doi, Doi wins block B. And he had Yamato winning block A. So I have Dragon Kid coming out of block A uh, from events. Uh, So KZ Yamato, Dragon Kid, Santa Maria. And I have uh KZ Dragon Kid. And being the fact that KZ has already had his title opportunity against Naruki Doi, I have Dragon Kid winning that block. Uh, what could totally backfire is indeed, I think, Yamato has the as that's the I think that's the safer pick coming out of block A. Uh, I'm really banking on the BB Hulk and Yamato rivalry uh, kind of costing each other the match um, and being that BB Hulk is part of Red, uh, that very much could be the case. And that's kind of what I'm banking on here. Uh, and Dragon Kid always makes a good run of these uh, King of Gate tournaments block B I got Ishida Okida uh getting to that that little spot and then Kai and Doi uh so kick boy against Doi and then doi wins coming out of B block uh again the, that would require kind of the BB Hulk uh getting his opportunity uh squandered uh and they've been building up the Ishida Okida uh rivalry and brave gate stuff and uh this could kind of lead into a um excuse for Okita, Okita and Ishita to, because the, the, uh, the weight discrepancy, uh, this is their kind of blow off feud matchup. Uh, if they are going to go through with the Brave Gate, then again, I could see this backfiring with the whole BB Hulk situation. Uh, but I do, even with BB Hulk, I see Doi coming out of B block, uh, pretty standard. Uh C block, Benkei, Ata, Mochizuki, Dragon Daya. I have Ata beating Benkei, you know, to right the wrong from last year. And then uh Daya being that the the, the push of Dragon Daya has been uh astronomical, like not taking a pinfall since I want to say October last year something nonsensical. Uh I have Daya getting a huge win over Mochizuki. Uh, and then Ata beating Daya. Uh, with uh, the Battle royal winner being Benkei, and then uh, the finals being Dragon Kid versus Ata as Dragon Kid will beat uh, Benkei, and Ata will beat Doi, uh, or Dragon Kid beats Doi, and that sets up a match or whatever. Regardless, I have Ata winning, uh, finally winning the big one and getting into that main event scene. I think that also continues the story of Eta, uh getting to that top level, stature, to ultimately continue that story of wanting to um, retire Yoshino. So I could see Eita beating Doi for the title uh, later this summer, or at the end of the summer, and uh, then Yoshino kind of wanting to go out with the title, uh, and Eita beating him and retiring him. Um, it's kind of the direction of the stories uh, I have in my head where this is possibly going. Again, my my total Backfire, my plan could be Yamato and BB Hulk just running the table, right? And them meeting in the semifinals. And uh, it could be like a yamato Eta final, right? Very much could be the case. And boys, with with that, that does it for... uh, I didn't make my timestamp on my Dragon Gate, but that's okay. Uh, I'll just kind of shoehorn it in with my DDT notes in the description. Uh, yeah, uh, I'll transition into the retro stuff. I uh, did a separate recording session for that. Uh, hope you guys enjoy. And when I come back, I'll do the wrestler rankings and close out the show. Yes, it's that time. It is the retro time. I'm back. After talking all that Joshi and all that Puro, it is the retro section of the podcast where we talk All Japan Women Classics, New Japan through the 90s, and of course going through the years of WCW. Uh, Before I get into the All Japan Women, uh, I noticed that I, in the previous episode, I had skipped episode 18 and went straight on to 19. 19. So, luckily for this episode, I caught that, and we're doing a twofer here. We're doing episode 18 and 20 here on episode 57. So, yes, this is All Japan Women Classics from... Uh, I got this from uh, Pure So Dream and Samurai TV. This is where they aired. Uh, episode 18, all these matches uh, are from All Japan Women, as you would assume, at the Ota Ward Gymnasium from uh April 15th 1987 so uh when i include April um ep- uh, episode 20 here we will have gone through half of 1987 which is pretty cool cuz i was actually looking back to see like what year we started and everything and we started in 1982 1983 years and uh that means we're really getting close to the boom period of the 90s and I've noticed as we're going through 1987 here, uh, with with the retire with the unfortunate 24 <laughs> year old retirement of Jaguar Yakota, and um, she's kind of taken over the dojo at this point in time. She's training a lot of these young up and comers that we will see crop up in the next one, two, three years in 1990, and it's going to be. Very interesting from this point forward. Whom shows up when, whom improves, and how. And we're already starting to see the uh, the fruits of the labor um, with a couple of people that uh, we'll end up seeing here. But we're in the heart of the Japanese Grand Prix here in 1987. It's uh, uh, all Japan's form of the G1. Uh, you might be more familiar with that terminology uh, in New Japan. Uh, A little history of the Japanese Grand Prix is apparently All Japan would kind of go through different phases of the format of the Grand Prix, whether it was a round-robin tournament uh, tournament with 8, 10, 12 women, or it would be a, well, New Japan Cup knockout uh, tournament style with more women involved, but again, you would just, uh, it'd be one and done kind of situation here. But we're in the heart of this. This is the, again, April 15th, 1987 show. I believe episode 19, uh, we were in May 1987. So yes, the first match is Kyoko Asao versus Mika Suzuki. Uh, Couldn't find any info on either of these two. A very basic opening match card here from all Japan women as usual. Two women run at each other, hitting all the basics with no rules selling until there's a winner. Moving on right fast because we got a lot to get into. Uh, Japanese Grand Prix League Chigusa Nagayo versus Devil Masami so oh so glad I caught my mistake because this match was glorious Nagayo kicking the shit out of Masami and Masami going full super heel Uh, the key points here is uh, Masami power bombs Nagayo as the crowd starts chanting for her comeback and Masami follows this up with the cocky clapping to the crowd gets the booze oh it was great Immediately stops the chanting for the big baby face Nagayo. Uh, Another point, cute events of Masami gets uh, handed this long lead pipe and proceeds to attack Nagayo with it. It was just out, it was kind of out of nowhere, but Devil Masami has this uh, better known as tweener character in this day and age. She was indeed a heel, and people tend to forget that because she's. On that border of badass and cool, but she needs to really lay into the super heel tactics when up against uh, the big baby faces of all Japan, the Linus Asuka's, the Chigusa Nagayo's of the bunch. So yeah, she gets the leg lead pipe, top rope, crazy statistic, sadistic face. She swings and misses, hitting the guardrail twice, creating this big clang sound. Uh, it really lets the crowd know it's a real fucking pipe that she's swinging here. Uh, As soon as she starts hearing the crowd gasping, because they're realizing the same thing, she goes full killer mode. She chases Nagayo down. She's just beating her with it. The crowd is beside themselves with this. I absolutely love it. Wasami gets back into the ring, and of course, bad mood for the ref to really try to get this pipe away, uh, and to just exist in the ring with all Japan women uh, bearing weapons. She gets taken out and back to killing Nagayo uh, for Masami. I love this so much. Uh, In the only finish that could possibly happen with all this bullshit, Nagayo grabs a chair, (laughs) gets in the ring, and they go to war. She's swinging the chair. Uh, Masami is full lead pipe swinging this chair. Kind of gimmick busted in half. Uh, This goes to a no contest. Only way this could have finished. I absolutely love this. This is very old school tactic here. Uh it's very interesting when I'm watching this with 2020 eyes, because so much over the past couple decades is oh, we don't want either to lose, we gotta keep them look strong, so it'll just be it would normally be in this day and age, uh a bunch of people hit the ring, it's an immediate DQ. Or person just skips get uh, like in this case Masami would just get a pipe hitter and then auto DQ match just ends here uh, it'll alla- this allowed Nagayo to fight back look strong they go to war right neither backs down from a fight and therefore they both look great and the crowd is left only wanting more rather than the life sucked out of them so this was really cool I've noticed this with a lot of the uh, going back old school ways, at least in the Japan retro watch, and uh, and the Nitro era, it was very much what I just spoke about. Three W A tag title match here: uh, y- uh, Yumiko Hota and Hisako Uno uh, versus the Glamour Girls. Uh, no surprise here is the Glamour Girls. The big, ba- the big, big bad Gaijins beat the living hell out of the young lionesses here. Uh, Hota. Uh, For those that don't know, um, I covered her in the last episode or two where she's been tagging with the later known uh, Akira Hokuto. And Hota is this kind of shoot fighter. Uh, Former martial artist, uh, competes in MMA kind of deal. Uh, Really just waiting for her to bust out of her shell uh, because these two are uh, a big part of All Japan's future. So, Hota tries a small comeback, but she proves how unathletic she is by braining herself on the mat attempting a a running somersault. I absolutely died laughing. Junie Martin uh, does a falling powerbomb to get the first fall. Uno gets her ground game going as she gets in the ring, does a top rope crossbody from the top to the floor on uh, uh, Kai of the Glamour Girls. Kai couldn't answer the count due to her elbow being nursed. Uh, it was noticeably heavily wrapped up. So it's entirely possible this elbow treatment was both a uh, a shoot and part of the story. As in, she was legit injured, but I think they were going for this story to begin with. Uh, Martin runs a bit wild, then randomly dump Matsumoto, rushes the ring to stab uh, Yumiko Hota and Uno both. Uh, I can only assume that she has... Uh, f- a future matchup against one of them in the, J- uh, Japan Grand Prix, or, uh, she wants to cost them the tag title, so her group, Goku could, could, uh, easily go after them, but Uno bleeds, <laughs> then gets, uh, her hair cut for good measure, needless to say, the crowd is absolutely terrified of Dump Matsumoto's presence, and naturally so. Bad place for the ref to be, <laughs> of course, He gets stabbed, too, for his good measure. The match just continues on because it's all Japan women. It's absolutely absurd. I'm I'm laughing so hard. Uh, When I first started this and watching, I was really taken aback by the the lack of rules. But they've they've clearly stayed true and stayed consistent, so I could ask for no more than that. Dump no-sells Uno, trying to save her partner from being stabbed to death outside the ring. I dump is like, get this child off me. It's hilarious, the look she's given her. And then Dump just leaves. Camera finally gets a good look at her, and Dump has the swastika symbol on her forehead, of all things. Uh, pretty wild. Probably safe to say that wouldn't fly in 2020. Uh, we know that, I mean, if you don't know, the swastika symbol, the... It has multiple meanings. It's not just... Uh, nazis it also has buddhist uh, connotations egyptian ancient connotations etc so there was a purpose to it all uh but yeah needless to say it still wouldn't fly in this in this day and age Uh, and after all this a snap german pin from hota on martin to win so shocking actually when it was all said and done and we get to our main event of this episode it is the 3wa singles title Yukari Omori, the champion, defending against Lioness Asuka. Now, Asuka earned this opportunity by defeating uh, Crush Gal partner Nagayo in a uh, very epic matchup where they went to a draw multiple times, and then upon, I believe it was the third draw, it just went to um, a decision in which Asuka ended up winning. So here we are, it's the title match. And the most boring champion ever, Omori, here to defend, and her entrance jacket is this massive gold thing with shoulder pads of comical epic proportions. I can't even describe this to do it justice, but I will try anyways. These, these shoulder pads were like two feet long and one foot wide. I couldn't believe my eyes. You have to see this. I I, I did post a uh, a picture on on my Twitter at bowlingjd. It's absolutely great. So she went from this badass Mad Max looking character to at least give me some hope of a, of a character turn, and now she's coming out with this ridiculous gold jacket. Lioness Asuka, of course, is buried in streamers to uh, to a very fired up crowd. Oscar runs wild, trying try a uh, quick series of moves, kip ups, keep the pace while Amori. Being terrible, <laughs> uh, just can't do anything. No cells awkwardly uh, tries to attack back. So how how do you make a good match out of this woman, Omori? Well, Oscar proceeds to ground her with her submission holds, which he's very good at, or throw her around, uh, which is exactly what Oscar does. I would also be mistaken without mentioning throughout this night the very hard. AJW Matt was absolutely filthy with various debris and confetti just sweating just sticking to all the wrestlers but unfortunately at some point Omori must be in control because she is the champion after all and this was painfully boring a horrid ground game two power moves the first one was this top rope Samoan drops of sorts and the other was a wheelbarrow slam from the powerbomb position uh more time passes. Uh, there's a slam, a splash, a top rope Vader bomb of all things. So that actually was uh, kind of got me to raise my eyebrow. In a way, this was also pretty comical because Omori is so uncoordinated at just about everything she does in this ring. She proceeds to do this awkward chop to the throat and almost slipping on a falling elbow drop of all things. The list goes on. Just it, It's like a modern day Hamako Hoshi. Uh... Ice Ribbon, Josie Wrestler. But then Omori busts out moves she has no business doing, like a reverse catch pile driver, totally dropping Asuka neck first onto the mat. It just, oh, oh, it looked horrible. And that's how she retains the title. Not a good match. Extremely anticlimactic ending. I have zero clue to why this woman is champion. I mean, I got the build. You wanted to build her up. She got the title. She beat Devil Masami for this thing. With all the women in this promotion right now, and all the ones on the rise, I just don't see why Yukari Omori, of all people, is your big drawing champion. Now, you could argue that Nagayo, Asuka, Dump Matsumoto, they don't need the title to be big draw and deals, because they just have their own feuds going on, and beating Book strongly. But if you got main events on the line here, I just... Could not imagine being in the 80s and watching this woman perform when you're just like, oh, one of my favorites is now going to lose to this. I mean, I-, I could go on and on. So I can't wait till she loses this fucking title. Episode 20. Again, all matches from uh, June 1987. The Japan Grand Prix 1987 league continues. We got Dump Matsumoto taking on uh, Gokwaku Dome stablemate Condor Saito. Haven't seen a lot of Condor Saito on this uh, old Japan classic watch, uh, especially being that Condor Saito has been part of the group since 1983 or something or another. Uh, this took place in the Okinawa Prefectural Gim- uh, Onoyama Park Gymnasium uh, this June 13th, 1987, uh, and oh, poor Kondo! Oh, this poor woman! This was a mugging. <laughs> I think Condor owed Dump Matsumoto money or a fee for being in the in the uh, in the stable. Dump just destroyed her, uh, fork stabbing to the head, busting her open, parading her beat down around the ring. Condor does eventually get a little help from other stable members of all things, because while well, she was dying out there, uh, she does end up hitting Dump over the head hard way with the corner of a steel can, Aja Kong style. You might uh, be more familiar with it. Uh, Dump seems. Actually very loopy for a few minutes. Uh, She gets cracked open the the front of the head hard way, and then also in the back of the head, which is a real bad place to get cracked. She does regain some sort of composure, because the match really slows down. She, like, loses her balance, whether that's really good selling or whatnot. If it was selling, I definitely fell for it. If she was legit concussed, I would have also believed it. Uh, cause she definitely looked, looked worried from the back of the headshot specifically. But yes, Dump beats the hell out of everybody, uh, to kind of get her, get her heat back. Big, big lariat ends this bloody mugging as Dump stands tall, foot on the chest to, to get that pin. Uh, post-match, this was really cool, I really like this. Dump pulls, pulls Condor up, uh, puts her on her back, piggyback style, and, and carries her out of the ring and to the back. So, Gokaku Dome, Gogaku Dome, till the end. So that tells me, hey, we're stablemates, but this was simply business here. Sorry you had to go through that. <laughs> uh, it was great. It, it really, really puts forth, like, who's the boss in charge and uh, doesn't mind that her stablemates put up a good fight. So that was awesome. We continue with another uh, uh, JGP gra- um League match. It's Oscar versus Nagayo. I believe this is their third or fourth encounter. I'm losing track here. Uh, same place, same location, same time. Uh, this match was way different uh, from their previous one. They do still go full gear with dives and drop kicks uh, to the top rope kind of deal. Oscar has this new boyish haircut though, and Nagayo now at this point has her fully grown old hairdo back. Uh, lots of suplexes, submission mat work here, so that's nothing new. But not a whole lot of selling compared to the previous uh, encounter. Uh, so that went, the previous one went to that decision draw. Basically, this match was their 50-50 trading. But this time, there was only a few near falls. Uh, a few from Asuka uh, after, say, her big swing in which Nagayo got her foot on the ropes. While when Nagayo countered with a German suplex, Asuka kicked out of this move. So it's very that was very noticeable. Uh, The match ends with Asuka hitting a one-legged half-Nelson suplex pin, uh, the same move that B. Priestley does in Stardom today. That was cool to see. I was kind of shocked Asuka got the straight win here uh, for a couple reasons. One is she just had the title shot, uh, to Tumumori, and lost. And two is the fact that she had the decision win in their last match. So I thought Nagayo was going to uh, get the one over here. Instead, this now uh, this now establishes Asuka as the better crush gal, making Nagayo the chaser on two fronts uh, to get to the top. So that creates a much longer, long-term story for Nagayo as she continues to fight to the top. All Japan Women Tag Title, uh, the vacant tag titles, mind you. Um, I guess uh, Dump Matsumoto... No, Bull Nakano, uh was indeed injured, unless that was in episode nineteen. Uh, regardless, it is Mitsuku Nishika- N- Nishiwaki and Kyoko Asao. Aso, Jesus, let me try that again. Mitsuku Nishikao Nishiwaki and Kyoko Aso versus uh, Kumiko Iwamoto and Drill Nakame. This took place from Kirkenhall. Uh, June 28th, 1987. Not much to this one, unfortunately. Uh, You're simple back and forth with uh, younger uh, Gokaku Dome uh, team winning. Uh, dump Embraces Braces, her young pupil stablemates post match. We got a Kanako uh, Nagatomo retirement match. Uh, Kanako versus Mika Komatsu. Uh, same time, same place as the tag title match before it. Simple basic match highlight, basic moves. Kanaka retired, facing her former tag partner in a draw. Nice emotional speech afterwards. It's about what you would expect from a retirement. Uh, definitely not as good and epic as the Jaguar-Yokota match. Then we got our final match. It is the Japanese Grand Prix second place tiebreaker match. I had to look this one up specifically. Uh, they held uh, the tag rope of some kind pre-match for some reason. I'm not really sure why. But it is uh, Dump Matsumoto taking on Yumiko Hota. So yes, that's the same uh, Yumiko Hota that we saw in the 3WA tag title match against the Glamour Girls. Um, And boy has she changed her look uh, over this past month. Uh, She looks a bit more fit. She looks like she's a little bit more comfortable in the ring. uh, Possibly because she was facing a lot of veterans. So I actually looked up the history and standings of this thing. Uh Nagayo, Dump and Hota all had 9 points uh, at the top of the table with Nagayo having uh I guess the the tiebreaker wins over them. And uh so that left these two battling uh for the for second place to face Nagayo in the finals. Uh Dump is still sporting the SWAT's on her forehead a month in. Um and this match went five minutes, wasn't much. Uh, Hota, Hota really tried her best to fight the large Dump Matsumoto, but alas, uh, only got a couple power slams in, a uh, couple strikes. Dump just hits her for the win. Not much to this one. I thought this is where perhaps Hota kind of would show me why she's a legend, but it certainly wasn't this match. Uh, just waiting for her to break out of her shell. And that was the uh, uh, double down of the All Japan Women Classics. Very interesting to start seeing um, Uno develop. Hota's definitely developing much faster than I thought. I'm like waiting for Hokuto to show up, uh, but she's still a, a a tiny woman at this point in time. Uh, Dump Matsumoto seems to be uh, mentoring a bunch of members in, inside the group. Bulnakano Condor uh, Saito looks like she's coming uh, to the end of her time uh, sooner rather than later, especially since she's been going since 83 at this point. Uh, and we, we got some... We haven't seen the legends of the 90s besides a young Hokuto and uh, uh, just kind of being in some matches and um, Aja Kong just have her debut match. So with that, let's move on to the 90s, shall we? Next drop. All right, gotta make my time stampos. All right, New Japan through the '90s. We are concluding 1991, and with uh, with that, I gotta get my nice. Nice, uh, Woodford's Reserve Bourbon here. Mm. mm mm Oh, that is lovely. Yes. Finishing 1991, what's available in the archive, a.k.a. the fall of 1991. We start out with a banger. August 12th, 1990, 1991. Ryogoku, Koku Gikan, uh... Keiji Muto versus Masahiro Chono, the G1 Climax Finals of 1991. The match goes 29 minutes, 31 seconds. So the story here was Chono on the same night, after three grueling nights, had to fight twice here. Uh, he went to a 30-minute draw with Hashimoto in their Block B encounter, and then they ended up tying on points. Uh, Chono beat Hashimoto earlier on this show in a 15 minute, 15 second win to win the block all while Keiji Muto had won block A beating mainly the big tough guys of New Japan i.e. the the Norton, Fujinami, Vader but had to rely on Norton and Fujinami uh, going to a double countout uh, forcing Muto to then defeat Big Bang Vader in the main event Uh, the night before this one. So the match here, now that we got the the story set, the first 10 minutes was mostly your basic submission mat wrestling game, you know, feeling each other out kind of deal. Uh, Not much going on here, so that kind of immediately tells me they they could have shaved, you know, four to six minutes off right there. Nonetheless, they broke out hard. Chono with a big suicide dive, top rope crossbody to the floor. Muto then games control himself with some of his high flying. Then some near falls start to occur at that halfway point in the match. And the audience is buying every single one. And if you look at a lot of the average New Japan timeframes and how they structure out, uh, they usually end about this time with these very same maneuvers chono going for his stf uh muto isn't the great muta so no no heal or miss tactics he's kg muto here so they know it's either going to be kind of a full nelson uh dragon suplex the german or the moonsault in his case uh So yeah, a fantastic moment comes off a Muto counter. He plants Chono in the ring and heads in the direction of a corner buckle to climb to the top for his moonsault. But then he realizes after a couple steps that Chono is too far. He turns, he stops and turns the other way, realizing his mistake. And then he goes to the closer turnbuckle. The crowd gasps upon this. They're just like, oh, he messed up, he's too far. Muto panics, rushes towards the other corner but he misses the moonsault here oh chono takes control huge near fall the battle goes on and with more appropriate near falls mixed in such excellent in-ring storytelling and psychology here it is absolutely outstanding what they are able to pull off with just these subtle movements and planning their moves out accordingly uh Again, not saying that those first 10 minutes were entirely forgiven because like selling or limb work, anything like that, that part didn't really play into much other than, ah, they've been wrestling for 10 minutes already kind of situation. But anyways, there's, a, there's another spot here where Muto is about to get uh, uh, countered in midair by Chono via his dropkick. Uh, this is when Muto kind of goes for a missile drop kick or the or the such. Well Muto jumps clear over him to avoid, which was really cool. The next attempt, after a couple more manu- maneuvers, so um Muto is back on the top rope going for the missile drop kick. Chono this time drops kicks drop kicks him in midair uh, to counter. Absolutely great. Great example have of, of how even this match was, where Muto is the high flyer and Chono is the well shit kicker type of guy uh the match ends via muto going for his moonsault again but chono gets his knees up and then stuffs muto with a folding power bomb just kills the guy to win the g1 climax the elation of the fans was insane Every fan in the arena pelts the ring with their tatami mats. They just fill it up. So imagine that famous ECW scene with chairs. It's this one with tatami mats, so it's a lot more (laughs) tame. But it was every single person just chucking their tatami mat as far as they could to try and reach the ring. It was an amazing sight. Streamers fly. Upon receiving the 5 million yen check and trophy, Muto, Hashimoto, and Chono all stand together in the ring. Chono with the mic in hands, cutting his promo. This now embarks the Three Musketeers and the new generation for New Japan Pro Wrestling. This was absolutely incredible. I love this match. I really wish New Japan had more of the G1 Climax uh, 1991 in their archives, but at the very least, they have this finals. Made me so happy to see this. This totally lives up to the test of time. It's a 4.5, 4.75 star match easily. Uh I I adored this. I think it was better than uh, Ric Flair Steamboat, for example, uh just on a one match basis. Um I I can't speak highly enough of this match. This was great. Um unfortunately <laughs> Unfortunately, uh nothing else. Uh finished out, reaching those those heights. Uh September 23rd, Yokohama Arena. Uh, 1991, Black Cat in Shiro, Koshinaka teaming with Osamu Kido and Kengo Kimura to take on the Foreign Legion, aka Brad Armstrong, Gate, Co- Gra- Gate. Great Kokina, Pegasus Kid, aka Chris Benoit, and the Wild Samoan. Match goes 11:41. Uh, the curly hair was strong in this match, especially Brad Armstrong's just butt ugly curly hair mullet. Uh, not much else to say here. Very basic in and outs until the last 20 seconds. Foreign Legion all hit the ring. Wild Samoan gets his splash for the win. Yeah, not really uh, not really living up to the G1 Climax final I had just watched. Uh, this followed by, same show, September 23rd, Yokohama Arena, Vader versus Scott Norton, the rematch from May, and their G1 Climax meeting. I'm sure they probably met a, two, a time or two before this as well. Uh, this was a singles match battle to simply see who was the better wrestler. Uh, they hey, they they certainly had a wrestling match. Lots of strength, suplex spots, stiff clothesline splashes. Who could outpower the other with their moves to put the guy down? A very very simple story at its best. Uh, there was an armbar spot from Vader early on that was quite unexpected. Uh, the hot spot battle does end with a Norton power slam on Vader. Uh, countered from well a pumping bomber type clothesline from Vader, uh, just enough to keep Vader down for the three count. A simple match, quite enjoyable. Not the roaring that say Bigelow and Norton did. Not the the blood battle that Vader and Norton had uh, beforehand. But these two were out to prove who was the better man, and on this night it was indeed Scott Norton. Vader kind of Vader and uh, is really kind of. Passing the torch, the next strong, big, big gaijin of the group. Uh, same show. Uh, Hashimoto taking on Tony Halm in a wrestling versus boxing mixed martial arts encounter. Yep, one of these again. Halm, the big, thick boxer with the guile hair, uh, crew cut uh, from Street Fighter. Shinya, Judo versus Boxer in rounds. Basically the same as the others. Crowd got into Hashimoto fighting back, and when he was in control, at least. Control, I use very loosely uh there was one moment where Holm gets a gets a nice uppercut in it downs Hashimoto and while he's on his hands and knees uh Tony Helm kind of gives him a nice cocky kick and pushes him over with his foot that pissed the crowd off something awful just huge booze all around uh Holm just big smile on his face he got that out of the crowd and then the next round happens. Shinya kicks him really hard. Big big flurry. DDT Armbar wins the match. So yeah, Shinya. I, I really want to watch a Shinya Hashimoto wrestling match and not this mixed mixed martial arts bouts that he's he's doing. It's really, really a bummer. And then we got the main event of that September 23 show. Tatsumi Fujinami taking on the great Muda. Because as we know. Whenever Keiji Muto seems to be in kind of a blood feud of sorts or he's out for a big match, big feel, he changes into the great Muda character. But this is a non-title match, but it had that big match feel. Muda spits the red mist uh, as the match starts and Fujinami uses this to pounce, body slams, and big suicide dive to start this match hot. Muto, before he gets in the ring, he's looking around. He goes up to that post, and he unhooks the turnbuckle padding before trying to get back in the ring. And because he's a cocky heel, or a slimy heel, Fujinami again pounces and rams his head into the exposed corner. They do battle, and Muto pulls out many heel maneuvers during this match from using a uh, what appeared to be a steel medical box, hits Fujinami with, uh, and even a camera tripod, which was really cool. I really like these random weapons, so it's not just like, oh, I'm going to use a kendo stick. Oh, it's always a steel chair. It is the most random plunder you can possibly find, but it all makes sense to be in and around the ring, right? Uh, eventually, after Fujinami said some, sheds some color, he's had enough of Muta's bullshit. Uh, pummels him in the corner without breaking, even shoving the ref away, ref away multiple times. Goes up for that 10, 10 punches in the corner spot, Right? Uh, no, I am mistaken. So he's shoving the ref away, and then the ref is kind of locking arms, trying to really get him away. And that's when uh, Muta uh, goes for the green misc. Fujinami ducks, and it just covers the ref. Right. Uh, so they go, they go to, they go to blows, and Fujinami uh, gets a visual pin uh, via German suplex, but the ref is still down and blinded. Then. He goes for the 10 punches in the corner. And that's when low blow by Muta gets a gets a uh, like a steel water bottle th- uh, canister that's being used to wash the ref's eyes out. Cracks Fujinami over the head, wakes the ref up, hits his moonsault to win the match. So yes, the great Muta beats the champion Tatsumi Fujinami of the time. And uh, upon winning this, you can imagine that uh, Muta now has a title match against Fujinami uh, down the line. I very much enjoyed this. I love the Muto Muta characters. Especially Muto is now lined up for said title match. Very good stuff here. Very simple storytelling. Lived up to uh, at least what it was supposed to be. And then we end this New Japan 1991 watch. uh, In December 18th, 1991 at Ganryojima uh, Island, I guess. Uh, it's Hiroshi Hase versus Tiger Jeet Singh. So you know it's a deathmatch of sorts. It's going to have gimmicks galore. And boy, was I in for a weird one. So <laughs> this is ridiculous. The camera showing a fishing boat approaching the island. And there's Hase arriving via this fishing boat. He's surrounded by cameraman and a posse of sorts on this boat. Then he walks around and it's kind of he's looking around. He doesn't know what's going on. And the camera cuts to another boat arriving in the distance. And it's Tiger Jeet saying on it with a fencing sword in hand. And like one guy. It's very, very weird. Can't say I was expecting a cinematic battle on Fight Island for this 1991 encounter. Nonetheless, the camera cuts to Hase in a random ring. Now on Fight Island here. And he's unhooking the top rope from and he and he places it kind of gingerly to the side, and he's beckoning at Sing. Sing is babbling away. He's got his fencing sword. Uh and then it cuts back, and there's now a tent on fire. Like it's their tent that they were gonna change into their gear upon arriving at the island. And then Sing emerges from the, like, it cuts to ringside, and he has his fencing sword now on fire. And then he puts it down, uh, before he gets in the ring. Sing's psyching himself up, he's warming up, he's praying to his gods. I have no idea what's happening, I'm so confused. He gets in the ring, no sword, I'm more confused. Anyways, I'm thinking like, oh, they're gonna- bust each other open. There's going to be spikes dumped Matsumoto style. No, they have a wrestling match for 10 minutes or so. It's incredibly boring. There's no crowd. There's just the cameramen and po- like a couple police officers. It's it's very strange. There's no one chanting. There's It's it's like an empty arena match, but it's outside on an island. So you see water and, and a, a skyline and a bridge of sorts in the background of the ring. It's very strange. Uh and then Hase gets busted open uh via the hilt of the sword from Sing and then Sing chokes him out with a tongan type death grip. Hase's right eye is totally swollen shut. Uh anyway, Sing just gets bored of choking him out and he's walking away and he starts babbling to himself. I don't know what's happening. I don't know the point to any of this. I there's there's nothing in the archive of why these two are feuding. Uh Hase gets up and walks over to him because Singh is just I guess he's gone mentally crazy or some something or not. Oh, I killed a man, I don't know. Uh Hase gets a turnbuckle hook, beats him up from behind, because I guess he's a ninja and Singh just couldn't hear him from behind. Uh this is absolutely horrible, but the least I can say is it has blood and guts. Oh yeah. <laughs> Hase then chokes uh Singh out, and they brawl some more in and around the ring. It's just like an empty arena street fight, but with a lot of blood. Uh, Hase hits a uh, Yurinagi in the ring, sings out, and it simply ends. Uh, one of uh, one of the New J- I forget who checked in on him. He just kind of looks over and saying, Hey, you okay? Now he's out. He signals and Hase wins the match. Weirdly boring. in uh, a weird match to close out New Japan 1991. Very odd. I did watch, uh, the other match I watched, um, from this time frame, uh, I did only watch the War Games match from WCW, and I watched, uh, Mr. Perfect vs. Bret Hart from SummerSlam 91, uh, that's a match that kind of holds near and dear to my heart, just from old VHS tapes, uh, VHS tapes, uh, I would rent or record at home kind of deal. What is going on on my phone here? There's a billion notifications happening. Why? Hold on. This is ridiculous. This is all live. Okay. There's a billion things happening. Okay. Here we go. Mute this conversation. Farming simulator. Do not care. You need PS Plus anyways. <sighs> okay. So yes. Next up is 1992, baby. Another year is done. Really busted through the first two years and just a few episodes. And the first show is the January 4th Tokyo Dome show. Hell yes. So I think this is the first Tokyo Dome show uh that took place on January 4th because the previous two that we had done 90 and 91 took place in February. Um so with that, I'm very excited and we're approaching now W CW. Here we go. All righty. Oh, boy. WCW Nitro, November 9th, 1998, from the Nassau Coliseum in Long Island, New York. We're here for WCW Nitro tonight. And uh, meanwhile, on WWE Raw, Raw's war, uh, The Rock is taking on Mark Henry, and if The Rock doesn't win by pin or submission, he's fired, so says Vince McMahon. As it's their go-home show for Survivor Series and some tournament for the WWF title. Not sure if it's uh, vacated or not at this time, but basically it's McMahon, Tomfoolery as usual. And uh, Shane does count the pin for The Rock, who was taken out earlier in the show just for reference. So it was a big rigmarole there. uh, Because Rock was out of the tournament, then he had to get in. And if he doesn't get in, he's fired situation. But he's not going to lose his... Ja, his job, he's only going to lose his job as a wrestler, I guess, is the thing. Um, So whatever, it's very convoluted, not a good uh, Raw from all accounts uh, there. But back on Nitro, Tony Schiavone talks up America. Yes, the good old USA. And tells of Hollywood Hulk Hogan is going to run for the President of the United States in the year 2000 among... The patriotic music, America, God help us all. One week without Hogan, and I can already tell this episode is going to be a doozy. Dear Christ, not a good way to start off the show. Natural girls dancing as they also hype up for World War Three a bit. That's the huge like sixty man bat- three ring battle royal. Uh, so that's what we're I guess a couple weeks out from. Um, Mean Gene and Heenan are in the parking garage as it cuts, and they're talking about the U.S. president, Bill Clinton, is going to show up at the arena. And they didn't specifically say Bill Clinton, but they said the president of the United States is going to be there. Two limos come screaming up, with one almost hitting the other from behind, and then taking out an opening door on one side of the limo. Turns out, it's both NWO factions brawling, and it ends in a heartbeat. No idea what's happening, or what the point of this was. It's so bizarre. So we get, uh, like, five minutes of Bret Hart uh, video packages of his path of injuring people, but nobody he injured actually follows up on it. And then a recap of uh, Brett stuff from last week that was oh so fun with the with the groin pull and he comes back and he's trying to take people out and uh, and then they have to replay the end segment because I'm pretty sure they didn't show it on Nitro last week because it went off the air before this but it's a Brett beatdown on um, with a guardrail on Luger he took his knee out. Uh, because I, th- I think Goldberg showed up or not. I don't remember. But we'll see if WCW will continue the story or it will end on a dime like the U.S. title stuff uh, Luger and Brett did a few months ago. Uh, so we're like 10, no, 7, 8, 9, 10 minutes into the show at this point and nothing's happened. Hmm. my bourbon here. But we finally get our first match. It's Kaz Hayashi versus Hooventude. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Uh, starting with the cruiserweights. Way better already start uh, match-wise uh, compared to the previous, I want to say, three weeks where it was like people no one gives a shit about. Uh, So they wrestle for about two minutes, and then Eric Bischoff interrupts and he's standing by commentary with a live mic. And he, he comes up and he says, Mark his word, the president will be here tonight. So they've already said that Hulk Hogan is going to announce his run for office. So you already know where this is heading, right? So, let me repeat this for you. Fuck you and your publicity stunt. Crowd chants, asshole. ...and immediately stopped caring about this match... ...despite when it first started, they were. So, killing the Cruiserweights 101 here. Luckily, despite Bischoff's and WCW's best efforts to uh, kill their show... ...these two were actually given enough time... ...and they killed it in the ring so well... ...that the crowd got back into it. This match held up so well today hayashi was chopping the shit out of huvi and both guys were just flying all over the ring it was awesome and then at the end of this match the cat and Sonny ono go down the ring uh the cat takes the ref uh Sonny ono uh kicks uh, uh kaz hayashi uh Hoovy gets the roll-up victory So the story here is Sonny Ono keeps bothering Kaz Hayashi and the whole story of the cat and whatnot. Um, I'm really getting a kick out of the cat character. I love Sonny Ono being the shit heel uh, going against Kaz Hayashi. I like the story. It served a purpose. It's bullshit in the ring, uh, but the match was so good. I loved it. The Bischoff thing had no business happening at all. Uh, Nitro girls dance some more for their second time tonight in a 20-minute span. So hooray! Uh, they recap and replay that stupid backstage segment of Hall and Nash, where uh, Nash goes through the wall and disappears from two weeks ago. Uh, it's also where you can barely hear a word they say; they're mumbling and whatnot uh, away from the mic. It's it's horrid. And then we get our second match. It's Alex Wright versus Super Jobber Barry Horowitz. Love this guy wright tells the ring announcer to inform the crowd to stay quiet so he can concentrate on beating barry Horowitz. <laughs> i loved it uh he ex- says exactly this and the crowd immediately hates alex wright with all their being so i got a big kick out of that they're ch- they're chanting asshole and the match wasn't too bad Commentary gives mention of this random suit wired up that walks in front of the camera So they're again Interrupting a match to hype up this presidential thing that's happening <laughs> And then this fucking company The wolfpack howl hits But not the music So then they give it a second try And that and then that time it works Nash, Conan, Luger all walk to the ring Nash just looks absolutely furious And as they get in the ring, Alex Wright just gets out, looks around, walks to the back, and Nash gives Horowitz a pat on the butt. He's like, hey, good job, man. The real stars are here. Fuck off. So bad. Uh, So yeah, the real stars are here. Crowd reacts in their favor, but you know, this is WCW basically telling us nobody else matters but these guys, and they wonder why that no one cares about matches between the undercard it's because of shit like this. So yes, they're here to all cut their little individual promos. Nash and company do their shtick. Nash cuts a boring fucking promo. You know, I remember as a kid, Nash being better on the mic. Or at least interesting. But this guy is horrid. Kevin Nash is so boring, he always tries to cut this like terrible fucking joke or put this catchphrase over that doesn't work. It never works. So he calls out the black and white. Nash wants Hall again. Luger wants Brett. No surprise. At least that makes sense. Uh, I have my doubts if any of this is going to happen. And then at the end, Nash says, What do you want, estrogen boy? And then it cuts to Bischoff coming out. I'm like, that was a weird line. Bischoff says, you'll get the black and white tonight, etc. etc. And then Nash calls him Princess and Estrogen Boy again. And I'm just kind of, I got squints in my eyes just going, what? Nash is not funny. He's like that jock in high school that thinks he's funny, but he's actually painfully uncool. So anyways. Match three. Lodi's out with a sign. Only thing worse than the Rangers, the Islanders. I laughed. And Lodi is up against IWGP champion Scott Norton (laughs) with Vincent. Oh, no. (laughs) Poor Lodi. Chop. Shoulder block from hell. Shoulder powerbomb. Rest in peace, Lodi, you poor bastard. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) It's just a thud on that mat. Norton screams on the camera, spits... Give him someone worthy, not these punks. Yes, I agree, Norton. <laughs> so good. Oh, man. Needless to say, when you show a guy killing somebody, the crowd loves it. <laughs> and Scott Norton is an expert at murdering somebody. Oh, it is great. Oh, thank you, Scott Norton. If you make my Nitro rewatches so worth it. You know, the Scott Norton guy? Very underrated. It's almost like IWGP champion is worth something. Man, oh man. I can't wait till I get to that that 90s run of Scott Norton as champion in New Japan. Oh, dear God. Uh, you know what? I gotta take a little sip of bourbon to my man, Scott Norton. Mm. I have noticed that going through this podcast journey, that guys like Norton and Vader and company, I love these guys. Oh, so, so forgotten is the nostalgia on this. Shivani in the ring calls out the now one Warrior Nation member, the Disciple. You know, the guy that left Hogan and had a couple bad squash matches and then disappeared from the storyline. Seemed kind of important. And now with the warrior gone from WCW, what are they going to do with this guy? So, Disciple cuts a promo. He says he's his own man. And immediately, Horace, Stevie Ray, and Vincent come out. What a winning trio this is. They cut a promo stealing various legend catchphrases. But it weirdly wasn't a bad promo. It was just not very good. Unfortunately, it leads to Horus and the Disciple fighting. And I guess could be a program. So you let me get this straight. You have Stevie Ray, Vincent, and Horus in the ring to fight Brutus the Barber Beefcake. And they went with Horus. Okay. Sure. God help us all. (laughs) And yes, Disciple gets jumped and beaten down, and to my utter shock, the warrior makes the save running wild. What? I thought he was gone after Halloween Havoc, and he's made two Nitro appearances since. Oh, the crowd doesn't react very much to it at all, but... Yet another week, the Warrior showed up. I'm, I'm like, cool, I guess. Uh, man, imagine if uh, the Disciple and the, the Warrior actually had a... Anyways, why do I even care? They dropped it all together. Anyways, uh, back to the parking garage, publicity stunt, and then the cameras outside show a bunch of Secret Service-looking guys, police and limos. And if you haven't guessed by now, yes, of course, it's all NWO Hollywood Hogan. Yep, yep, yep. Shout out to the guy behind the commentary with the Baba Booey sign. I laughed as hard. I laughed very hard as commentary tried to take this presidential bullshit seriously. But yeah, it's Hogan. Presidential music is playing. Bischoff, Hogan, and the fake Secret Service guys all head to the ring. Gee, it's almost like they told you this was coming with Bischoff and your sources are the NWO and all this bullshit. Yeah. So, Hogan has the black and white feather satches with goofy, goofy fucking John Lennon glasses on and a Yankees toucan, of all things. He looks ridiculous. A good kind of ridiculous, though. A giant American flag drops from the ceiling during the entrance, and a crazy amount of balloons and confetti drop as well. It sure is quite the spectacle, I will admit. But we know what this is really about, so fuck this. (laughs) Ironically, Hogan congratulates Jesse Ventura being a non-plastic politician and being voted in Minnesota to be, he's a non, yeah, how topical today. What do you know? Then even more balloons and flyers fall from the ceiling. I can't fathom how much all this pointless charade cost WCW. So then Hogan says Bischoff is his campaign manager. Stay tuned into more Nitro to hear the rest, his running mate, and his official announcement for for presidency. So this was, so keep that in mind. Bischoff is his running mate. He didn't officially announce his running for the president, and he's going to announce his running mate if he's to announce. All right, you got all that? Third time, it's the Nitro Girls. And they are hanging out, goofing around in a costume shop in Vegas or whatever. And then back to the ramp where, yes, they are dancing. Okay. Then we get a clip of Conan's rap music video. That's a mix of Spanish and English. It's just a clip, though. They're going to play the whole thing. I can't wait. (laughs) It looks ridiculous. And then we get Bret Hart's new WCW music, and it's fucking awesome. I love this music. It is like half kind of W uh, NWO, but it's more or less dropped. And it's his hitman music from WWF, but with a WCW spin. He's a man on a mission with this awesome music. He recaps of him taking out DDP. Tells Sting, he tells Sting to get well soon. Tells DDP to FedEx the U.S. title back to him. What a great promo this was. Tells Luger he's done with him. He's not gonna fight him. Whatever. <laughs> then he's then he, but he's sick of Conan, which is appropriate because he's part of the Wolf Pack. He's buttoning his business, and they just showed the music video of him being annoying in his rap video. So he says he's gonna kick the hell out of him. Brett made a mission statement here. Excellent promo. I loved it. I love Bret Hart. This is where the show turned around for me. Okay? Unfortunately, we had Eddie Guerrero out with Rey Mysterio Jr. with his sick, awesome entrance rap music himself. Eddie tries to recruit him into the lame LWO, which is probably one of the worst ongoing storylines in WCW currently. Rey, of course, declines. They have not their best match, but it was all right, I guess. I mean, if they had like 90 other matches out of a hundred, it would, they would probably be better than this. Uh, Eddie works Ray's left leg mostly. So it's limb work. That's why I think it's better than most Ray sells it pretty good. Put it pretty good. He kind of does uh one legs, sp- one legged springboards. He's more or less kind of running around, but it's not selling enough. Uh, eventually sandwiches Ray's leg, drop kicking steps into the post. Uh, so much like the opening match, this time fucking Chavo Guerrero intervenes and Rey rolls up Eddie. So the exact same thing. LWO hits the ring, Chavo and Rey escape. Setting up, I would assume, a tag match on Thunder or Saturday Night uh, or Nitro next week. So I could have really done without the Chavo interference, especially with uh, what happened in the Who match uh, to open up the show. Now we get to the whole Conan music video. Oh boy, this was, you're going to have to look this music video up. It is very much worth it. But here we go, Bischoff out with Miss Elizabeth in arm as he plays uh, his music, talks up the presidential stuff, makes fun of Ric Flair's age, his pacemaker, and he wouldn't be able to be cleared because he has no heartbeat or something. I have a hard time paying attention to Bischoff these days. Then he talks about fixing the whole J.J. Dilling uh, Dilling? The whole J.J. Dillon finding Steiner and Bagwell from last week and then proceeds to bring out lawyers and a suit to the ring. Basically breathing mannequins and weirdly Bischoff plays along with the lawyers and then beats them up with horribly fake kicks. And that was it. I don't understand the point of any of this. Eric Bischoff ever since he lost the ratings after those uh 83 weeks, he's gone insane. He had those Jay Leno skits that were just atrocious, and then this fucking thing for no reason. Like nothing came of this didn't understand what i was looking at i didn't understand the point to it all i don't know who it helped or who it got over it was garbage so moving on recap of the crazy out of control steiner from last week i wish they would have just done this instead of the Bischoff thing and a recap of thunder of a recap of thunder oh my god that did happen of steiner kicking the shit out of nick patrick (laughs) and breaking his knee Scotty is out of control and nobody is safe. Bagwell says they'll buy their own ref because now the refs are on strike with Scott Steiner matches uh, because they make so much NWO money. Uh, Steiner calls out Piper again for some reason. I guess they're building towards a Scott Steiner-Piper match, but who knows? And then he says send out somebody to face him even though there won't be any ref. Unfortunately and stupidly, chris adams is the chosen victim why he came out i don't know uh but anyways struggle for a couple promos but the points were made i suppose for scott steiner and like a moron chris adams gets jumped 2v1 just like chaos the week before no math no ref no match i guess steiner does the corner knee breaker again And once the beatdown is over, Rick Steiner rushes to the ring. And fuck me, Rick calls out Scott for a match. Jesus Christ, is this ever going to end? They have literally been feuding the entire fucking year ever since Scott Steiner uh, turned heel in, I want to say, March? Oh my God. It's almost mid-November they've been feuding that long. So yes, he calls them out for a tag title match despite being the tag champion. But Rick will have to find another partner because Chaos is down. I hate this. (laughs) Uh, The Nitro Girls dance some more, so if you're keeping track, that's four. And then a weirdly great late 80s low-quality video package plays and it's of lex luger with pseudo porn movie theater narrator stuff going on. And I quote. Lex Luger is the most well-conditioned athlete, and a body chiseled out of granite and his mind of a scholar. I would have wrote down the ri- I would have written down the rest but I had already died laughing. I adored this package. I need one of every single wrestler as we approach world war three because that's what this was it was a world war three hype package uh, to build up lex luger as a potential winner oh my god i need more of it so bad (laughs) so yes we get the scott and buff match they go to the ring and rick and his mystery partner whom was oh christ judy bagwell with her goofy jogging outfit tucked into her pants with the tag tile around the waist and all. Oh my God. We have tag champion Judy fucking goddamn Bagwell. What a smile on her face. She had as well. What a star. <laughs> so they get in the ring. Rick, Rick and Steiner, uh, Rick and Scott Steiner go to blows. Buff takes a swing at his own mother. She ducks, slaps him And Buff goes to the ground and rolls out of the ring. Rick clocks the two, and they head for the hills. Judy cuts a promo with that big smile. She's taken in the crowd. She calls out to wrestle Buff on November 22nd at World War III. God help me. So let me get this straight. Scott Steiner and Buff Bagwell are afraid... Of Judy Bagwell here. But they they won't be afraid for the pay-per-view. <laughs> now, you could argue that Buff Bagwell doesn't want to hit his mom. Or he wants to protect his mom from being murdered by Scott Steiner. But he took a swing at her here. So I'm not buying it. Oh, my God. Judy Bagwell. Oh, leading me to drink. <laughs> Oh, where was I? Yes, commentary. Commentary tells me a special Tuesday night ed- episode of Nitro will be on, or something. But I don't think I'll be watching that one because it's well, no, won't. I won't do it. Conan versus Bret Hart time. Over under NWO running for the DQ guys. I'm taking the over here. Conan fires away at Bret, bat out of hell style. It was great. Eventually, in a corner. Conan won't break uh, break the hold and pushes off the ref. And that's what Brett strikes. Chops that knee out. Brett then picks him apart. And after picking the bones, he grabs a chair and kills the knee. The new hitman Bret Hart crippling his opponents continue. I love this. And for now, this is my favorite thing in WCW ongoing. I would say Goldberg being champion is awesome. But he's never on the show. They never mention him. They never mention the champion. It's all about Hulk Hogan and whatever they're sporting this week. But right now, Bret Hart is a fucking killer, and I love it. And speaking of Goldberg, we get Mean Gene with TV champion Chris Jericho. Jericho makes fun of Greenberg, says his streak is better than his, cuts to the back, and then shows WCW world champion Goldberg just arriving to the building, surrounded by security, over two hours into the show, by the way. He gets into his locker room and there's one of those old uh, antenna TVs. He looks at it and sees Jericho making fun of him. And Goldberg's gotten to. He freaks the fuck out upon hearing Jericho speak of Greenberg on that tiny TV. He throws couches around. He kicks a fucking door in. And then he rushes to the entranceway uh, through Gorilla. Jericho's done with his promo he's his back is he's you know kind of taking in the crowd his back is uh, to the entranceway, and there's goldberg waiting and the crowd is busting up they see it jericho turns around and he takes a fucking spear he gets lifted up into the ground it was awesome he gets punked out it was cool Something tells me that's the end of all this Jericho Greenberg stuff, though. Lastly, I would be disgusted with myself if I didn't hype out, hype up and glorify the hairdo of Chris Jericho throughout all this. It was pure, less sex god sex hair. It was great. I did post a uh, picture of it on my Twitter, at BullyingJD. So Michael Buffer is in the ring to introduce the main event. It's the NWO versus the Wolfpack Nash and Luger versus, well, Hall and Giant. So it's not Brett, it's Giant. But Nash at least gets Hall. Because it must continue. Giant's intro is in full don't give no fucks mode and constantly joking around. Oh, and he's fat. Uh, yeah, they pretty much have a standard tag match here, despite the whole Wolfpack wanting to beat some ass and the limo brawl from earlier. So just, you know, ignore all that nonsense and continuity. Nothing special and nothing we haven't seen many times before. Uh, Same guys we've seen in the main event for over two years now. Uh, Well, yeah, summer of 96. Yeah, it's been two years. Um, Nash hot tag for a while, but not so much. NWO run in as it was a Bret Hart DQ. He chop blocks Nash. Uh, he starts killing his knee all all while uh, this happens. Luger tries to fend off Giant. He grabs a chair uh, and then he chases away Brett from uh, killing Nash's knee. So I love everything about this Bret Hart and breaking legs and picking apart the Wolf Pack. Now it's it's uh, reached another level of the Hitman. Uh, shows goes off the air. Uh, plugging the Tuesday Nitro. Uh, they indeed did false advertise and didn't deliver the Hogan running for president, nor announcing his running mate stuff, but the less Hogan the better, I say. So I'll just let it slide this one time. Uh, so there was a lot of weird shit on this show. The Hogan stuff was by far the worst, along with that atrocious Bischoff Lawyer segment. Uh, but at least it was a super heel spectacle <laughs> of of um, Hitman Bret Hart, Judy Bagwell is now in full motion. The Cruiserweights getting the short stick is nothing new, unfortunately. Not to mention, of course, world champion Goldberg is on a two-month streak of having no match, basically, and showing up for less than five minutes on a three-hour fucking show. It's so great seeing Bret Hart finally doing something great and building uh, the story from basically the summer of taking out all, all those dudes, Booker T, DDP, and such, making a big story about it. So he's becoming an actual hitman. Uh, if it wasn't for the Bret Hart stuff, I would have absolutely hated this Nitro. But surprisingly, because of all that, I found myself enjoying this nonetheless. Uh, very shocking. We're building towards World War III. Uh For all we know, the only contender right now is Lex Luger because of a single very awesome video package. Uh, I. That's it. Maybe Bret Hart. Uh, but he... Yeah, I guess Bret Hart would be the other guy in the running um, no one else is really really has any momentum so well, I guess we'll see what happens uh, I kind of I kind of remember who wins World War three 98 I definitely remember who gets the title match at Starcade. so <laughs> uh, that does it for Nitro I will uh, play my newly made wrestler rankings drop that will close out the podcast <laughs> yeah i just felt like playing the the Walter music i'll, I'll create a uh i'll create a drop uh, for the wrestler rankings i'll probably get bret hart's music or mr perfect's music uh for that uh you know what i'll splice them together there we go Make a mental note of that one uh, Wrestler Rankings to close out episode 57 here. Uh, the women was a bit tougher than the men, uh, but I'll go with the women. 10, Haragi Kurumi. 9, Chris Statlander for that four-way matchup. Uh, 8, Hamako Hoshi. <laughs> uh, man, that really hurts me putting her above those two names. But 7, Maki Ito. 6, Britt Baker. God, has she been entertaining. 5, Mochi Miyagi. 4, Hikaru Shida. Just... Being a total beast on AEW. A real cornerstone of the division there. Three, Maya Yukihi. I think that's just the easy one. Two, Risa Sera, And the big standout here was Tsukasa Fujimoto, <laughs> the Booker of Ice Ribbon. Uh, Tsukasa Fujimoto, man, a big resurgence here in, in 2020 compared to uh, how 2019 went for her. Uh, 2018, uh, you know, coming off of uh, losing... Yeah, I think she won the the Joshi of the Year in twenty seventeen. And Then Maya, not Maya, uh, Mayu Iwatani won it from her. Anyways, Scotch Fujimoto, big uh, big winner here this this uh, this podcast. And the, for the men, fifteen Chris Brooks, fourteen Sammy Guevara, just from dying, he gets on the list just from just from being Sammy. Thirteen Kenny Omega, twelve The American Nightmare Cody that. Eleven best friends, ten Yoshihiko, but Yoshiko here, Yoshihiko, yeah, the blow-up sex doll got on the list, unbelievable. Nine Darby Allen, eight Masato Tanaka, seven SCU, uh, namely Kazarian and Daniels, six John Moxley, five Kazata Higuchi, four Chris Jericho, three Tetsuya Endo, two Matt Hardy and. The guy that stood out to me the most, I mentioned this on the uh, AEW part with my mom, at the time that we recorded the AEW stuff, Lance Archer wasn't as high, but the latest episode of Dynamite, the brawl with Cody, and the Jake Roberts stuff, uh, it's just, it was just that little bit he needed to, to get to the number one spot. So, good job Lance Archer. Uh, him having this career resurgence in New Japan, and then uh, taking this opportunity to, to uh, utilize... Who he is and where he could stand in a company in the West, because uh, obviously his, with the way New Japan is and his in-ring skill, uh, his character work works better in this environment, and uh, it's really shining here. Uh, no, Brody Lee on this one, um, just didn't, he just didn't crack it. Uh, I am a fan of what Brody Lee's doing uh just his match against Daniels. Uh, just felt like Daniels impressed me more um so yeah there's there's i uh, i'll uh I'll tally all these up the points that they've g- gathered um I'll throw this on my Twitter for an updated top ten rankings uh i don't I don't post overall, but that's at bowling j d go check us out all our podcast outlets. Uh I would love a uh review on Podchaser, uh iTunes, help get those ag- algorithms up. Uh, follow follow me on Twitter. I'd love the interaction. Love to to hear what you guys think uh over anything else. Maybe feedback on how my mom's been doing on the podcast. Uh and yeah, we I will see you next time for episode 58 of the Red Leaf Cast. See you next time. As I don't forget to play my NWO drop this time. Oh my god! Ah, oh, what a disaster of a way to end this. Oh, where is it? I see everybody. <laughs>